The breath of evil takes your soul. I don't need to hear your shit tonight, old man. Tell him, Dante. Tell him it's just for... The curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice. Blessing or bestiality. The curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nashy Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I am Troy Gwynn. And we are here once again for episode 53. Yep, we're, to... we're finally <laughs> yeah. settling into our groove, folks. I think we found our rhythm. We found our rhythm <laughs> five and a half years into this. <laughs> yeah. We finally figured out what the hell we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Well, tonight, folks, we'll be discussing uh, yet another Paul Nashy film, as you might expect, mm-hmm. and uh, talking about a few other things as well. A few things off the top. First, uh, remember, you can write to us at... Uh, at uh, nashicast at gmail.com always glad to hear from you we talk uh, we uh, we read out and uh, respond to emails at the end of each show mm-hmm. and uh, we do love getting feedback from you folks because it keeps everything vital and alive it mm-hmm. reminds us not mm-hmm. only are you out there but you mm-hmm. want to fuck with us <laughs> yes <laughs> you like to hear us rant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, there's there's that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also remember, uh, we have a, a Facebook page. NashiCast has a Facebook page. Come on over and visit us there. I do occasionally post something interesting there. Uh, interesting links, this, that, or the other. Uh, I, I recently, I don't know why I thought about it, I thought about it before, but the, uh, the excellent uh, website Horopedia, which is an ever-growing, ever-expanding uh, kind of uh, encyclopedia of all things horror, that is kind of uh, shepherded and run by the fantastic British film nut Adrian Smith. Uh, I finally thought, hey, why don't I link to the Horopedia Paul Nashi webpage? And I did that. There's a lot of really great photographs on there, including a great GIF of uh, of uh, mm-hmm. Nashi morphing into a werewolf. Nice, which is really cool. But it's got a lot of great information on him that on him there. Uh, a rundown of a bunch of his films. A uh, pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, rundown of uh, his list his cast of, his list of credits and a bunch of different other interesting things it's a it's a really good page so uh if you've not explored the horopedia i recommend it uh as i say they uh they it, ever expanding ever growing and uh they do add things all the time well it's a it's a website worth checking out i need to now that i think of it i need to put mm-hmm. a link to it on uh, uh the bloody pit of rod my blog yeah. just uh, just have people be able to um mm-hmm. uh Go to it right off of my own page there. It's well worth your time. There's a lot of great info there about old and new mm-hmm. things. Uh, he even has pages on um, films that have not yet been released yet or in production or in post-production. Just kind of a, a, a neat way to find out about certain new movies coming up. What's the latest uh, Bloody Pit episode that you're throwing oh, out oh, there? Oh, well, no, no. Um, 
working working on two right now, but uh, the most recent is the one that uh, oh, so you the were contamination is still contamination the most recent. Is still the most oh, okay, recent. okay, okay. I didn't yeah, miss yeah. one then. Okay, good. I didn't know if I didn't know if I knew you had others planned, but I didn't know if you had had gotten one of these <laughs> others recorded yet in that time. Yet, uh, time. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, actually um, in the final planning stages for the next uh, episode on Antonio Margaretti. Yeah, that you're doing with uh, John Hudson. Hudson and I are, are going to be ta- uh, going to be talking about uh, take a hard ride here in the next week oh, or cool, so. Cool. So that'll that'll be up uh, maybe before the end of August maybe not necessarily and i'm in talks with another uh, cohort of ours to talk about uh westworld oh that'd be fun yeah that'd yeah be fun. so those uh those will probably be the next couple of episodes of uh, the bloody pit and uh also i've already gotten an idea i've started making i've started uh started making notes on an episode a little brief episode i'm going to put out in October, focusing on uh, Guy de Maupassant's, uh, I just mispronounced his French name, uh, Guy de Maupassant, <laughs> yeah. the story of the Horla, <laughs> the Horla. by the yeah, French author du Maupassant. Some, some frog. Jesus, I'm now, yeah, some, some, now Frenchy, fucking, some Frenchy wrote this thing okay, called so, the Horla. And, let's uh, see. Very influential I, I, story. Yeah. I can't pronounce Spanish. I clearly, French. regardless of the three years of French that I took in school, in high school and college, I, I can't manage mm-hmm. freaking Spanish. French anymore either. Oh, this is so sad. What, I, I screw up Italian every time we have something that has to do with Italian. What other language? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Japanese. Have I fucked up? Have I fucked up Japanese really badly when we do the Godzilla episodes on the Bloody Pit? I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> so oh. what you say is Latin Lover is not going to be a role you're going to be playing in the? No, no, no. Be, no. Uh, the, the, you can't the, play Gomez Adams basically at this. <laughs> I'm beginning to lo- I'm beginning to lose my my confidence in my skills yeah. with English by, by this time. <laughs> to be honest. Anyway, yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna uh, play around with doing a, a kind of solo episode for October on the Horla, uh, which um, has had a film adaptation, yeah, a couple no, of radio it's, it's adaptations. Influential story. It's always referenced very often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's quite fun. Um, but those are the things that are coming up, mm. and um, for us, yes. of course, this month we're, we're covering Rottweiler from 2004 here on the NashiCast, mm. and next month you and I will be doing another Bloody Pit episode. Mm. We're going to uh, finish up our uh, controversial kaiju series That's over right. on the Bloody Pit. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about another Godzilla film, uh, Godzilla mm. Final Wars. Mm. It's the last Japanese-made Godzilla film to date. And uh, I understand that this one is controversial, but it's, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. man, I... That's going to be worth talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't. It's, yeah, uh, it's it's it's. Yeah, I think it's one. Yeah, con- controversial. Uh, people are really divided on it, but I think that there's a lot to talk about there. Oh uh, yeah. It's, it, and it's uh, yeah, it's definitely not a dull film by any any stretch. So, no, uh, no. And I'm gonna, you know, I don't. I, I can't. I can't keep it to myself. I freaking love that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Final Wars is a blast, mm-hmm. which of course will probably send a lot of well, Godzilla fans into a frenzy of anger. That's so. why we're doing this show, you know, it's, it's because, yeah, yeah. yes, it's, 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 because, uh, uh, yeah, there are people out there who do not share that opinion. <laughs> no, I, 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 but that's why we're having it as part of this, uh, closing out our, our, uh, our little uh, quartet of Godzilla films uh, with uh, Godzilla Final Wars. Looking forward to talking about that. So that's next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the month after that, we'll be back here on the Nashi cast feed to do a Beyond Nashi the October episode of uh, the Nashi cast slash Beyond Nashi feed will focus on uh, will focus on a true horror film. Uh, yes, it is in more ways than one. <laughs> it, yes, people in October we 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 let's let's put it this way mm-hmm. we have uh, circled around and talked about this filmmaker and 
this film in particular for a very long time. It's a movie that uh, a while back, actually, a number of different podcasts covered because uh, it, it came quite into vogue when there was an excellent DVD release of it here in the States. And uh, we are, uh, if nothing else, behind the times, but uh, just on time for us anyway. We are going to be in October covering for Beyond Nashy pieces. Yep. Uh, which... well, you've requested it, you've clamored for it, you've <laughs> yes. har- harassed us for it endlessly that you want us to do pieces. <laughs> and we're going to do it. <laughs> we are going to do it. So that in October we'll be covering the completely mad mm. Spanish-made horror film Pieces. And uh, let's just say that, uh, I'll, I'll, let this, I'll let this little tidbit out there. Uh, I think Pieces was my very first Italian, or I should just say, no, Euro horror film and I saw pieces in the theater. Oh people. my gosh! Wow. wow! I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yes, indeed, I did. You don't need to go to Texas to have a chainsaw mask. That's right. <laughs> the, I'm telling you, man, greatest, that got me. That got me the in the theater. Ever. Yeah, it's a, that got me in the theater fast. Yeah. Me and like two or three friends. Yeah, I yeah, it's a, got to go see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, yeah. that must have been awesome. <laughs> well, I think within the space of a year, we saw pieces and De Palma's Scarface, yeah. and so there came a point where pretty much a movie without a chainsaw was just something we weren't interested <laughs> in. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're hoping that the uh, well, Grindhouse releasing is uh, so is key, it keeps teasing that they've got a uh, Blu-ray coming out. Um, the, the like uh, the the DVD that is out that that was has already been released on pieces is very nice. Like, oh, yeah, they did a great cool. job on it. Yeah, it's got uh, great stuff on it. But we are hoping that uh, we that maybe the Blu-ray will be out in time in October to coincide with our podcast but either way we're not gonna wait any longer we figured that the perfect one to do for halloween so yep, uh yep, yep. yeah it's a perfect kind of popcorn slasher film you know so uh, i think we're gonna have a good time with that one uh one more thing i'd like to point out is that um i think it has I, i'm not sure if it's actually been released yet or was on the verge of being released but uh uh nicola uh nicholas Schle- uh now i'm gonna now i'm gonna slaughter nicholas's name i would say schlegel 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 i think is how i pronounce that schlegel schlegel, schlegel. schlegel. At any rate, here, I'll I'll read off his biography. Uh, He's a film scholar and historian who teaches film studies and production at Wayne State University. His interests include include occult exploitation and horror cinema with a global emphasis, and his essays have appeared in a number of anthologies, including Dracula's, Vampires, and Other Undead Forms, Essays on Gender, Race, and Culture. Ooh, that's a an interesting book. Anyway, uh, Anyway, his book that he's been working on for a few years uh, about the golden age of Spanish horrors called Sex, Sadism, Spain, and Cinema, the Spanish horror film. Uh, I am uh, currently, uh, I'm almost, well, I'm getting, clo- I'm getting close to being done with it, but I'm uh, trying to write a review of it as I go, which is probably the wrong way to have <laughs> attempted to write a review of this film. I should have just, uh, of this book, I should have just read the book all the way through, made notes, and then sat down. But I couldn't stop myself from going ahead and starting to write it while I was reading it. But, uh, I can just tell you right now that it's utterly fascinating. I love academic uh, looks into genre film, and uh, this is one that has really got my my uh, my brain a churning. There's a lot of really great uh, stuff to chew on in here, and uh, we hope to actually be able to sit down and have an interview, uh, if I can ever figure out Skype again, with uh, Nick about this book and Spanish horror in general. Uh, I have the feeling we'll probably discuss some things in the book, and then Tangent City will intersect us really badly. <laughs> well, hey, listen, he's already got he's already uh, scored extra points with you and me being Raiders fans because he obviously was uh, uh, when Ken Stabler uh, just recently oh, yeah. died, and uh, yeah. you know, and I posted about that, and he uh, that 
Ken Stabler was my first, you know, sports hero, one of my childhood heroes, and he came in and chimed in that it was his too. So, you know, sounds like we got some, uh, we might get off on a little tangent about the old silver and black too. Maybe, so. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. sports talk is something we've tried to shout out. I know, we have really. I know everybody's like, all right, won't be listening to that one. Yeah, but like, yeah I know. Skip that bullshit. <laughs> Move on. But we'll uh, like to point out once again that uh, we, we, uh, we do love it when you send us money. So send us money. Go to the donate button on the mm-hmm. side of the blog mm-hmm. and click that and then send mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Any cash whatsoever, mm-hmm. we'll take it in any form yes. as long as it's money. <laughs> Damn straight. And uh, don't forget uh, also that uh, if you can't afford to send us money, at least review us in the iTunes store. That's how most people get the podcast. Mm-hmm. I know that for sure. I can mm-hmm. see the, I can see the downloads. Mm-hmm. I can see you out there breathing. The review will say, all these guys do is ask for money. What's their, <laughs> what's their <laughs> Really? <deal? laughs> these assholes do nothing but ask for money. What the hell kind of jerks? Jeez. No, but anyway. Uh, please. <laughs> uh, if, if you would like to rate and review us over there on the in the iTunes store, that would be wonderful. The more people who know about this show and the Bloody Pit, uh, rate and review that one too. Uh, and uh, the, the, the more people who uh, know about it, the better off we are. The more yep. people hear about it. Uh, the the better bigger my ego and the better mm-hmm. I feel about myself as a human yeah. being as I sit mm-hmm. here with a black shriveled soul attempting to be <laughs> something that I'm not. Yeah. Wait, that was I'll edit that part out. <laughs> Nevertheless, a linguist is that what you're pretending to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a bilinguist or a trilinguist. <laughs> yeah. I can't even pronounce Gidima Marpasson. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh. I was going to take another shot at it because I've never had trouble pronouncing the man's name before. And you now, even butchered Nicholas's name. It's, it's got to be the it's got to be their Schlegel it's, it's or Schlegel. Schlegel. It depends Schlegel. on how he pronounces the e in there. We'll get we'll get we'll get him to to send us send us an MP3, Nicholas, and tell us how to. Pronounce this is this is what's name. terrible. Is I just that, that that doesn't even make any that doesn't even make any sense. I've heard him pronounce his own damn name in his own podcast. <laughs> he does a podcast with a couple of other uh, academic mm, yeah. scholars called That's a Wrap. Right. Well worth checking yeah. out. A wonderful academic look into uh, into different subjects, uh, different film subjects. Well worth your time, and I cannot believe I'm mispronouncing everything inside. I, at, th- at this point, I will pronounce my own. I'll mispronounce my own name. Oh, God damn it! Anyway. We're gonna call him. We're gonna call him Nikki G until he call, get, calls us and gives us a gives us the correct correct correct. Nikki G, Nikki G, we're really you're gonna give that? Yeah, Nikki. Oh, that's bad. All right, folks. Rottweiler. Uh, yes. Rottweiler. We will uh, take a quick break. Come back and delve into a discussion of the 2004 film Rottweiler. It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. 
and giant monsters are destroying Japan. Daikaiju Attack from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Now available in all ebook formats on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Find more info at daikaijuattack.com, sdsullivan.com, and the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. There are a lot of podcasts out there that do science fiction, horror, and fantasy movies, but how many of them are done by somebody who's been watching this shit for half a century? Hi, my name's Terry Frost, and I do the Martian Drive-In Podcast, a podcast where I look at silent films all the way through to movies from the second decade of the 21st century. I look at fantasy, horror, and science fiction, and talk about them, sometimes with the guests, sometimes by myself, but always with an eye to the stuff that maybe has slipped off your radar, if it was ever on your radar. So go to marsdrivein.blogspot.com or type Martian Drive-In Podcast into iTunes and enjoy a bit of decent genre talk. And keep watching the skies. Rottweiler, 2004. In that same year, Paul Nashi made uh, Rojo Sangre, as a matter of fact. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. actually, he was uh, fairly prolific mm-hmm. uh, in those first few years of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It's as if uh, suddenly people realize, hey, we could hire Paul Nashi. Yeah, yeah. If and, only for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of neat. he'll give us quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And l- let's be blunt up front. And, and he's the best he's, damn... He's, yeah. yeah, he's a name, and he's the best damn thing in this film. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about Rottweiler for just a second. I want to talk about the fact that it's directed by Brian Yuzno, which actually had me thinking that it might be a film worth seeing. Now, I, w- I say that, uh, I said, well, I, I thought mm. that before I went to look, and mm. uh, because I thought I liked more of his films than I do. Okay. And it turns out that I don't like a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest with I you. I think there's. Um, I don't know. I'm, 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 he's probably made quite a few that I may not have even gotten around to seeing yet. Uh, he's made about fifteen movies, mm-hmm. and um, actually maybe less than that. Maybe just about twelve. Uh, but here's the thing: it's like I really like his first film because remember Brian Yuzna is a guy who uh, came up as a producer, yeah, uh, and co-writer with uh, Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made the Reanimator, right? 
And uh, then after that, he w- he became a director himself, and he mm-hmm. made Society, which I think is wonderful. I love Society. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, a great really movie. Film. That yeah. was in '89, right? And then he did the the first sequel to Reanimator, Bride of the Reanimator, which a lot of people don't like, but I actually like that mm-hmm. film. I, mm-hmm. I like Bride of the Reanimator quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Now he went on years later, in 2003, to make the third Reanimator third, film, yeah. Beyond Reanimator, which I don't think is any good at all. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. Between those movies. He made uh, the fourth Silent Night, Deadly Night film, mm-hmm. uh, which apparently just went straight to video. I've never seen that. Yeah, me either. And then he made Return of the Living Dead 3, which has a lot of fans, but I don't like I it at all. I didn't care for it, no. I, I, like I mean, it. I, admittedly, I haven't seen it since it first came out, but, I, I was, but I, I've never had a desire to go back and see yeah. it again. It just, I, I not, was not impressed with it. I, 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 was never, I was never impressed with it. Then he did a segment of uh, the film Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, in 93, uh, which I've never seen. I've never seen that anthology mm-hmm. film, so I mm-hmm. can't speak to that. But then he did The Dentist in 96, which I have seen. I saw it once years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, actually it was a pretty good little movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't Corbin, see that. I remember Corbin when I never heard it. Sorry, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's not a bad little movie. Cool. And then uh, after that, he made, uh, well, he did a couple of uh, episodes of... Uh, this rather shitty Tarzan series in the mid '90s. Oh God, terrible crap! Called Tarzan: The Epic Adventures. Mm-hmm. Oh jeez, man! No, no, it's I one of the worst Tarzan. Is it really? <laughs> it's man. I, I think I got through the first episode they uh-huh. made uh-huh. and was just gagging. I was like, oh my God, they can't even. Hi- they're not even trying to hide the fact that this is not a jungle. It's, it's a goddamn a jungle. Set. backyard. Somebody's backyard. No, no, it was <laughs> indoors. Just, yeah, <laughs> it was obviously indoors. <laughs> uh, but uh, now after that, he made a film called Progeny, which mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say I liked. Mm-hmm. It's a science fiction film with uh, Arnold Vosloo, who uh, most people will now know because uh, he played uh, Darkman in the two mm. Darkman sequels, yeah. and he played the mummy in the shitty 1999 <laughs> yes. film, The Mummy. Yes. Uh, but he stars in this little science fiction film called Progeny from 1998, which is a pretty good little movie. Now, after that, he made The Dentist 2, which I haven't seen, mm-hmm. Faust, which I have seen but i can't remember Don't it's an I adaptation have. of a of a really harsh adult comic book series right i remember that it came out and I've, I've, <coughs> I've not read the comic either but i've always heard of it but, yeah, yeah 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 and then uh beyond reanimator then this film rottweiler then beneath hmm. still waters hmm. which i think i may have seen but not i can't really remember mm-hmm. and then something called amphibious creature of the deep which i hmm. have not seen Please. Yeah, Amphibious Creature of the Deep, 2010. Marine biologist Skylar Shane hires an expat charter boat captain, Jack Bowman. To, just the names alone have well, already it, it fucked Well, it sounds up. like straight to sci-fi. It sounds like sci-fi channel universe there. It's almost yeah, got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. almost got to be made for sci-fi channel. Pr- it okay. may well be. Don't know. Obviously now I've discovered the fact that I don't care. <laughs> so, I look at his list of credits mm-hmm. and um, it's scattershot... Yeah. I enjoyed some things. I didn't enjoy others. And then we have Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this film. First okay. of all, this movie was produced in Spain. It, mm-hmm. is, it is a Spanish film, right. strangely enough, or at least it was produced in Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it was is in, um, what you'll notice in the credits of this movie is that it was produced by a company called Fantastic Factory. Now this is a uh, production company that uh, Brian Yuzna set up uh, in in uh, tandem with uh, Julio Fernandez, who's a, produ- a Spanish producer, they set this up in uh, 2001 to produce. Uh, essentially, it was a, a way to 
cheaply produce genre films, mostly horror films, uh, in Spain using uh, Spanish crews and a lot of Spanish actors as well mm-hmm. um, in a uh, very cost-effective way to make a shit ton of money. They started with uh, using this film of Faust, Mm-hmm. And uh, they kept going through 2006 when uh, Fantastic Factory uh, was disassembled. I'm not sure exactly what mm-hmm. the. I'm not right. sure how the business came apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, their last film, the last film released was his film Beneath Still Waters. Now in there, they 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 produced a number of movies, uh, some good, some bad. My favorite of the films they produced is the film Darkness uh, by uh, the director yeah, I of. Like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is really really good. Film. That, that, that's that. a good film. It's by mm-hmm. the director of uh, The Nameless right. and uh, mm-hmm. The Wreck. Uh, Wreck mm-hmm. and, In fact, I've been meaning to get around to uh, rewatching that. I decided it's been on my mind for a couple of months now. Yeah, you know, yeah. to get back to uh, to seeing because I've only seen it once when it, when it was initial release. Good film. Good yeah, film. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, an effective an effective production company in that mm-hmm. they got a good number of films produced in mm-hmm. the, in that five to six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of them are good. One of them mm-hmm. is the, the, that third reanimator film, right? which I, like I say, I, Again, I haven't I seen, I haven't seen it yet. So the third one, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's neat to have something like that have happened and you almost wish that it had been more productive mm-hmm. be, or lasted you know, a few years longer mm-hmm. because, it's neat to see things like that happen, oh, yeah. and it was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember at the time that it was going on, there was uh, there was some chatter amongst Euro Euro horror fans that this was kind of like a um, a little bit of a resurgence of mm-hmm. um, the classic Euro horror co production stuff, the uh, the things that allowed um, genre movies to kind of flourish mm-hmm. in that golden age in the seventies, and um, sadly, you know, only lasted that five or six yeah. years, and then it was yeah. over. And I don't know that a lot. I don't know that there's been a um, another company to come along to give that kind of thing a shot. Yeah. But Lord knows it has to be. It has to be the kind of thing that would. There's got to be a way to to to, yeah. to do that well, to make a lot of money. Well, especially with how many outlets you have now for getting it shown. You know that you can. Yeah. You know that that uh, you don't even have to worry about theatrical distribution. You know, other than yeah. just some film festivals. Otherwise, you've got all sorts of uh, online markets and you know ways to. Well, I got a feeling that unfortunately that may be working against it because. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the banes of the of the production of films like that that were actually made to play in theaters is the advent of the sci-fi movie the the Siffy movie. The, oh God, I never believe it's me. it's you know it's Sharknado three. Yeah. Oh hell no! I mean that's the fucking name of the movie. Oh I know, I know. And <laughs> I couldn't make it through the first Sharknado. Mm-hmm. These these things where it's there, everybody involved is wink, is intentionally constantly winking at the yeah. camera and nobody's taking it seriously. Listen, I can't give a fuck. I mean, can you imagine if you were a kid and they told you one day there's going to be a channel where anytime you turn it on, you can see, you'll see some sort of giant monster or some sort of, you know, giant monster insect versus monster, sort of, I mean, you'd be nature like, attacks you'd be film like, or... I'll be in heaven, you know, but the problem is, is, uh, you know, there's just not enough of these films that, you know, realize that, okay, we don't have a Hollywood level budget, so we're going to, to try and make a good story with interesting characters and good dialogue try and get you in ways show our talents in other ways because we know that our our cgi skills are very limited and and our budget so we really you know we're they're not try trying to be creative they're just, no they're not really they're, they're not really trying not. to be creative um, they're just trying to they're trying they're spending their time trying to craft jokes about yeah. how shitty what they're doing is. yes yeah and it's like 
why are you even bothering? Mm-hmm. Do something that you can be proud of. They're trying of. to be almost more of a trauma kind of uh, attitude without yeah. without being Ugh. able to do the levels of even gore and, and, and even go as, as raunchy as trauma films yeah, are. Yeah, that's true. But it's that still kind of attitude is we're going to force make force feed you a cult film. We're going to force feed you a... Yeah, yeah. And you can't do that. It just doesn't work. It's, that's you know, a it's good, why, that's it's a really why good very few trauma it. films... Now, it's not to say everything. I mean, Trauma has released other films that were made by other people that occasionally... I'm talking about the in-house productions made by Trauma. The in-house productions are just very few of them where I can even make it through, you know. No, I can't either, man. So... I mean, God, remember... Remember that that uh, the screening? <laughs> oh yeah, we of, went to uh, Terra Firma. It's like oh holy shit! The contest was who could last the longest before you gave up and left the fucking yeah. theater. And yeah, like, and that and there's there are very few theatrical films that I will have walked out on in my life. I mean, I can probably count them on one hand. You know, it's like because normally if I'm in the theater, no matter how bad it is, I'm yeah. going to tough it out. But I remember that was one that by halfway through, all of us were out there out front, like uh, in the front of the theater, just chatting. You know, just shooting Going, the shit. Oh, you know, yeah, because we just awful. couldn't. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. It. <laughs> it's like I'm, I, I got into a conversation. Maybe that's a question I actually ought to post on Facebook and just just find out. Um, because good Lord knows you get a, a widespread of answers, but it's like I can think of only a few films that I've like walked out on in the theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the one the one that I like to point out is uh, the first Laura Croft Tomb Raider film. I mm-hmm. gave the fuck. Did you up. really? Well, got oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I gave up. About an hour in, when it, I don't believe I've even, I don't think I've oh, seen any of the Tomb Raider bother. films. Yeah, yeah. It's just idiotic set yeah. piece after idiotic yeah. set set piece with almost no connective tissue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just a waste of time. It's a video game, basically. Even though the video game was, <laughs> yeah. was probably more yeah, entertaining, that's all then, it but is. that's yeah. But literally, and it probably was maybe one of the first of the the big films based on the high-tech video games with graphics and all I that kind guess, of, you know. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there have been some I mean, everybody, they, they, they bitten off that whole big Super Mario Brothers shit sandwich and that kind of made everybody gag for a very yeah. long time there in the 90s. And I'm pretty sure this But it seems like Tomb Raider was one of the Tomb earliest. Tomb Raider was like 2001. Yeah, it seems like that was one of the earliest games that just had the really next level up and mind-blowing kind of that everybody went nuts over because of the graphics yeah. and all that, you know, and because of the whatever the tits just, yeah exactly the character really, itself that was really like, oh right, you yeah. actually made a you know actually made a wow. sexy looking woman with graphics Look, a sexy woman and the tits bounce yeah. yay yeah so yeah so that sort of thing so yeah uh, but yeah there's probably a reason I never really got around to seeing that <laughs> that watching oh, don't, the movie but. don't bother I mean it's it's one of those things that it isn't even bad enough to sit in mystery science theater right, you right. know it's the, no. to, to riff tracks it, maybe the, mm. honestly they're professionals maybe they could get away mm. with it and do a good mm. job mm. but man for me sitting there in the theater was just it was mind numbingly bad but <clears throat> Brian Yuzna mm-hmm. a man who has made some films that I've thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. but has also made some films that I thought were mm, kind of a waste of time mm-hmm of course, we could have a similar discussion about Stuart Gordon, but that would be a podcast for That'd another time. That'd be day. another time, exactly. Stuart Gordon has definitely been very hit or miss in his, uh, yeah, hit or miss yeah, in his yeah. time. And you and I would sit and, uh, sit and debate the finer points of Dagon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which you actually like, and I huh? did not. Mm-hmm. Although yeah, I am willing to revisit it. Mm-hmm. But let's talk Rottweiler, 2004. Mm-hmm. Now, the neat thing about this is uh, it is based on a novel. Mm-hmm. Now... Uh, the script was actually adapted by the man who wrote the novel. Uh, the The novel was called El Perro, which is the dog, mm-hmm. and uh, the author's name was Alberto Vasquez Figueroa. Mm-hmm. 
Holy shit, I think I pronounced that. I think that was close. I think think that that may be, I may have gotten that right. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay, uh, well, anyway, anyway, uh, he adapted, uh, he wrote the screenplay, he adapted it from his own novel. Mm -hmm. And from what I can tell, I I went hunting for an English English, uh, translation of the novel. I can't find one. So if anybody out there knows whether or not uh, El Perro was ever translated into English? Let me know because yeah, I, I saw I, I looked around and I couldn't find a, an English version of it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not willing to like pay a shit ton of money, but I right, would be sure, interested in reading it. Yeah, yeah. Now, unlike some films that are made in a foreign country, but are supposedly taking place in America, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a film that unabashedly actually does take place in Spain, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Spain in 2018. I know we're yes. almost there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So think about it. They set this thing 14 years in the future. Right. And it doesn't look that they don't, let, let's just say it's not an unrealistic idea of what mm-hmm. 2018 would look like. I have mm-hmm. to admit. Yeah. There's not a whole lot. They didn't have, I guess they didn't have a lot of budget for a lot of things. Yeah. Now here's the one tricky thing. I don't see us getting cybernetic dogs of this, of this complexity between mm-hmm. now and 2018. Yeah. yeah. But maybe in Spain. Hey, <laughs> well, at any rate, we meet uh, our, our main character, a fellow named Dante, uh, and it is uh, we see him being delivered to prison in uh, the year 2018. Um, he's played by an actor named William Miller, who's a British actor who, from what I can tell, just found his niche and and works almost exclusively mm-hmm. in Spain. Yeah, uh, quite a bit in Spain actually. In the first few minutes, we're introduced to him. We're, we 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 kind of get an idea that uh, his 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 lot in life is pretty shitty, mm-hmm. and then he kind of accidentally escapes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the best way to put it. For there, for just mm-hmm. a second, I thought this movie was going to turn into a kind of uh, science fiction uh, defiant ones or something, mm-hmm. because he escapes get, with mm-hmm. a black guy chained right. to him. Yeah, well, they get escaped because we keep getting a scorpion motif in this in this film. You know, yes. we get this scorpion that that, that yeah, stings one of the prisoners, and during the commotion, he and this other guy that he's chained to, yeah, rush off. Because first thing we see, Dante's basically being dumped on the ground of a prison camp. Right. And, uh, yeah, and uh, um, he's, he's uh, been obviously beaten and bloodied and, you know, and... and, and well, he looks shit. much the worse for wear. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, yeah, so he and this he and this guy, you're right, much like the Defiant Ones escapes. Uh, but the whole Defiant, Defiant One <laughs> yeah, things just, last it's, just it's, a couple of minutes, a, yeah. and then the dog catches up with them, kills the black fella, mm. and rips his arm off, which is nice and convenient for Dante, who yeah. can now run off with the with arm the attached to the, <laughs> to the chain, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, attempt to escape on his own. Uh, he does give it the old college try. Um, let's talk a little bit about the dog. Now, mm-hmm. at first, I was thinking, oh, it's just a, a mean-ass Rottweiler. Mm-hmm. But then we get those insert shots where there's this kind of... You mm-hmm. see that the, the dog's teeth are supposed to be like steel. Yeah, yeah. And, or some kind of metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are insert shots that are really quite jarring where yeah. they'll cut between the actual dog, the Rottweiler that's in the film... Mm-hmm. And these insert shots, real close up, mm. of the dog's head, mm. which I'm sorry, but just looks fake as shit to me. Mm, I thought, considering their budget, I didn't think they did too bad a job with the dog. I think the they do. I think they judiciously. They, every time they, they get him yeah. to open his mouth, yeah, and I mean, the you can, tongue doesn't yeah. move. Yeah, it I mean, just screams but, fake to me. Yeah, but, but I think they do. I think they're smart, and they they don't. I mean, I think that they actually don't give you too much of those type of scenes. I think they edit. I mean, they. They clip them quickly enough that yeah. I think that they I think they know you know that uh, that you know that that too much of this is is doesn't go a long way and so yeah. you know so I think they try and they do some I think he's really interesting looking when they show him in some of the medium shots 
where his eyes are glowing blue and he's got this like really nasty I mean he's a he's a vicious nasty looking well, now, thing you know those and, shots like that are yeah. some of the those are the ones I would actually praise like the, because yeah, those because are that, those really are when good. the dog actually looks mm-hmm. um hell scary yeah I mean yeah. It really does yeah he does now the film before we get too deeply into the the mechanics of the plot the mm-hmm. film does you, you mentioned the scorpion right and there's a lot of talk of destiny throughout the film mm-hmm. <clears throat> To a degree, the scorpion kind of seems to symbolize destiny in a way. It just keeps returning up randomly, mm-hmm. or what could feel very random throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to kind of be there, um, one could nastily say, to push things forward, mm-hmm. or to kind of underline mm-hmm. the way that this character of Dante is never really going to ever escape from certain things that he's done in the past. But the film does kind of play around with some uh, social concerns. Um, Hell, illegal immigration is talked about with this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, The state's curtailing of civil liberties is pretty is pretty effectively talked about a lot in this, Mm -hmm. and and they show a couple of different uh, a couple of different scenarios Mm -hmm. where uh, an oppressed people are. Mm -hmm shown just dealing with the day-to-day life of being in this kind of uh yeah well kind of dystopian future well that's the thing is that yeah the film never tells you what has happened you know really doesn't give you any kind of backstory on what all we get is we know that this area is there's an area called the immigration containment zone right and basically it looks like the land is under you know totalitarian rule you know it's under uh martial which is something that spaniards can very much identify with you know but uh true but it's a uh, that kind of that's kind of all you find out, and and then there's some one then then basically between the people that you encounter that Dante encounters through the film, and also the look at the the kind of actual one actual town he goes to, which is pretty much just kind of a, gl- a red light district of again just people. It definitely gives you the sense of things that happened in 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 areas that are under that kind of rule where everybody is given to either prostitution or drug dealing or everything to just try and survive yeah, yeah. the people that are obviously the oppressed you know if they're not already put in prison but other than that you don't really get any kind of story about what led to this you know what has become of this all you no. know is that yeah this is this this area here is where Dante and a girl and you know basically you know you get this idea of that like, these people are trying to smuggle, you know, smuggle people in and out of places and get past these right. these areas under, you know. Which, again, is, is yeah, it kind of gets back to the whole immigration or kind of border sort of thing. Well, now, let's talk about a, mo- a moment um, about the, the way that, essentially, the, the movie drops us into the, the story mm-hmm. kind of in the middle, and then right. we are given the backstory through a series of flashbacks that we get through the course of the film. Right. Now, um... There are a lot of the, the 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 flashbacks tell us how Dante ended up in prison bit by bit by bit, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I did I, I did like the fact that I'm not sure how, like I said I don't know about the novel, mm-hmm. but uh, the the way of telling the story this way cinematically does does work. It's a very smart mm-hmm. cinematic choice because what you do is you you are able to take the action that would generally be concentrated in spots within the story. Mm-hmm. And spread them out in a way cinematically, but not chronologically. So the the film can jump back and forth between the flashbacks and the current storyline or the current uh, timeline, and use that use those time jumps to keep us juiced with 
mm-hmm. set pieces and action and, yeah. and revelations about the story as it goes along. Yeah. Which is a smart move. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I would that I would praise about this film is that the structure was a smart choice. Mm-hmm. I like the fl- I like the flashback structure, even when uh, and I even also like the fact that well and this we'll we'll talk about this when we talk about the end of the movie. I like mm-hmm. the fact that the the film very cleverly leads you down essentially kind of leads you down the garden path. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. changes changes things up on you, which yeah. is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Now, Dante has escaped. Uh, he. <laughs> He manages to get rid of the the poor black guy's arm. Yeah. <laughs> and is essentially off on an odyssey in search of his girlfriend Ula. Yeah. Now we are told through flashbacks that his girl that he and his girlfriend um essentially we see them on a boat coming across uh, the mm-hmm. Mediterranean to this mm-hmm. to the to the Spanish coastline. Mm-hmm. In um it's it's sort of like you get the impression again. There's people huddled on this boat. You sort yeah. of get the impression they're trying to sneak past, or sneak down this river, that's this fog covered river without being seen. The guy that's piloting the boat. There's a there's a, a guy's piloting the boat. There's an older man there that's kind of a, a that's talking in sort of more mystical terms about, again like the themes of destiny and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And the the guy that's piloting the boat and Dante are sort of mocking him. You know, they're as being kind of you know speaking the superstition. The old man even refers to the fog on the lake or oh, yeah, river, yeah. whatever, as the fog of evil. He calls it. Yeah, the, yeah actually, the I actually kind of uh, I have to admit. Um, I'm, I'm going to rag a lot on this film, but the dialogue there is something I kind of like. Mm-hmm. old man it's just fog not ordinary fog the breath of evil takes your soul I don't need to hear your shit tonight old man tell him Dante tell him it's just fog it's the breath of evil do not joke (laughs) it's your destiny it will destroy and corrupt what is most pure. So through the flashback structure, we, we see them um, get kind of captured by the Spanish Coast Guard, mm-hmm. uh, or, or the, the ship kind of gets uh, almost boarded by the Spanish Coast Guard. They jump off the ship along with the other people who look to be actual immigrants. Right. Uh, the uh, Dante, Dante and Dante, Ula are not, yeah, Dante yeah. And, and Ula, they appear to be pretty well off. These yeah. are not, you know, poor right. immigrants trying to escape from some place or trying to go somewhere to get uh, right. jobs. Right. Uh, and then, in a little while after they get on on land, we find out that that's true. Um, so they jump overboard, swim to shore, but then eventually, after a few of those other people who are uh, who've jumped off the ship with them. Are uh, killed, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, by people, by uh, machine gun toting soldiers on the uh, beach, uh, and of course this is all at night. Uh, we then are uh, introduced to the reason we came to this the film. The reason in the first that we're, place, yeah, exactly. The reason we're here, which would be Paul Nashie, Nashie. 
who is, uh, I guess, what you would call the film's bad guy. Yeah, he is very much the heavy. Uh, now, he comes out Kufur, and... I think they call him. Yep. Kufur, Kufur. Is his and name. he comes out and wants to know... He, start, he starts... In, he engages Dante and his girlfriend in conversation uh, at gunpoint, as he has several sho- sho- mm-hmm. so- soldiers yeah. standing around there with the uh, assault rifles. Mm-hmm. And they uh, reveal that, essentially, they were playing some kind of ridiculous game mm-hmm. uh, where they... Uh, I forget what they even called it. Uh, where they were essentially... Um, Trying to see how far they could get, slipping across, uh, slipping across the border like this, just as some kind of thrill-seeking game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, calling infiltration, they call it. Yeah, yeah, infiltration. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, this is just was kind of a thrill-seeking thing for them. Let's see if we can sneak past and get one over on you know the the authorities here, the rulers. Well, uh, as you might expect, mm-hmm. um, this fellow who seems mm-hmm. to be in charge of this. This whole kind, this whole area, which appears to be quite industrial, but later on we find out is actually kind of a, a part of the uh, kind of prostitution and gambling right. little little township mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, we get to near the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> um, being quite evil, mm-hmm. Nashi's character decides uh, to kind of exact a toll from the two of them instead mm. of killing them. Yeah. And uh, he uh, invites Ula to protect the both of them, invites Ula into the back of his big SUV mm-hmm. where what you imagine mm-hmm. prob- you know, is yeah. going to happen probably happens. Right. Um, and here's where you first see, or where Dante first encounters... Uh, the our title our our our, our title dog there now at least chronologically yes yeah, yeah true true right we've seen the dog already but this is where we see where they first do because the dog is basically you know growling at him and giving him the stink eye well, he's sitting there and having to like listen to or you know being aware that his woman is or that Ula's in there with uh, with Kufar now I'm not sure if this is uh, accurate or not but something I've read is that this is the same Rottweiler that was in Rojo Sangre. Really? Yeah, yeah, same dog. Well, I'll be damned. Huh. Yeah, huh. that's that's, 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 that's what I've read. I, I, huh. I read that in two huh. different places, and so that would seem to be, unless they're, yeah. you know, unless well, one made sense. it up. Yeah. That's a pretty cool idea. That, that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I mean, because it is a well-trained dog. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Not, no, it definitely let's, is. Let's, let's not fool ourselves. Yeah. That's a well-trained Rottweiler. Yeah. So. yeah, and Rottweilers are pretty imposing, frightening dogs, and of course their reputation doesn't help, you know, no, they're pretty no, much cursed, and so, yeah. So, um... Let's talk for just a second too about oh, uh, sure. um, Nashi's voice in this. Oh, it's definitely dubbed. It let's, is dubbed. Let's, dis- let's discuss that. But I was going to say, I think it's dubbed very well in the sense that it, in its timing, I think the dubbing is actually pretty well done. I, I'm not sure about there the are, idea. To there make, are a few moments where it's obvious that it's dubbed. Yeah, but I, but yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not distractingly bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it it is a little. It's a little too Boris Bedinov for me. The, the accent <laughs> they choose. You know, I'm not. Sure that's about true, that, that they true. kind of made it maybe just went a little too extreme into the uh, into that area about the villainous sounding voice. But I was just because I do think the dubbing for the most part is 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 not bad. And I think Nash is still. Oh, I mean, he's, he, 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 he's, he's a great. He's, I agree. Kind of yeah. Leering. Yeah. Leering performance. I mean, he's not called to do anything on. He's not called upon to do anything more than be a bad guy. So there's right. no nuances to this this performance. But he's good in it. I mean, he certainly right. is 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 every bit as as. As frightening and, and, and evil and leering as as it needs to be, you know. It's a good yeah. He's point. not overplaying it. He's no, not underplaying no. it. Honestly, like I said, like I said when we started this podcast, I'm pretty mm. sure that the, he is the best thing in this film. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when we started talking about this film, I had I pretty much assumed he would be the best thing in it, mm-hmm. but I had hopes that the film would have you know some thrills and chills along the way, and yeah. it wouldn't uh, distract me with things that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Now, that didn't happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But my expectations about Nashi's performance definitely definitely played through because he's quite good. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. watching him. Now I didn't um, I didn't feel that, but I didn't feel that the. I mean, I felt the acting, and for the most part, through the whole film was was pretty was pretty good. I felt. Oh, there, you know, just, yeah. I mean, there, now she is. I mean, I agree. Not, but he's it's kind not of awful. Most, you know, yeah. But the the film, unfortunately, well, I mean, we 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 could hold this kind of discussion off until we get through a, a bare bones look at the sure, plot. Sure. But um, yeah, let's do that. Let's just really quickly run through the yeah. rest of the plot. Essentially, mm-hmm. the rest of the movie involves Dante uh, for, first uh, escaping. Being uh, the uh, the whole escape from prison, being caught, we we learn through the flashbacks that uh, he's in prison. Ulna is not Ula is not, and he's essentially trying to now that he's escaped from prison, trying to get back to where he last saw Ula to see if he can find her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, along the way, there are a number of encounters. First of all, there's uh, the uh, the guy who uh, was one of the uh, fellows who was the, who one of the fellows who were there when he. Uh, first escaped who chases him down and captures him but then dante is actually in a rather clever sequence is actually able to uh get the better of him and mm-hmm. kill the fellow mm-hmm. and uh take his boots mm-hmm. and thinks um, he's killed the dog thinks he's killed the dog um then he encounters three uh essentially uh you know nerdy well stoner bandit guys mm-hmm. in a, around a campfire uh who get him drunk take advantage of him steal the boots mm-hmm um then from there he uh, goes on uh, he encounters a uh, a little hacienda uh, mm-hmm. out out in the uh out in the uh out in the hills where there's a, a mother and daughter mm-hmm. uh, the mo- the mother uh manages to <laughs> manages to hold a knife on the by now naked mm-hmm. uh dante who mm-hmm. uh, has lost his clothing as the the dog caught up with him on his on its own at a river at a riverside where he was taking a bath the uh, the mother holds holds him uh, at knife point and forces him to have sex with her mm-hmm. which is a really bizarre really bizarre scene it plays out interestingly mm-hmm. because i think the actress uh, actually manages to make that scene work yeah I think, uh, that's I a think, se- yeah. that's a sequence where i'm not sure that the actor playing dante d- holds up his end of that scene mm-hmm. uh, but the actress really does mm-hmm. um and I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I like, on the whole, I like that whole sequence with the mother and the daughter. Yeah. And, him. You know, I think uh, because the whole thing of, like, the, the daughter's being put in danger while the mother is, is, is doing this with him, with him, you know, and, and then I think that the whole Rottweiler attack on them is actually pretty well, well done there, you know, where they, it's not bad. you know, and, and where they, how it ends up with them, them it, the whole thing with the shed and them running to the... Basically, the little girl. I thought that was actually little pretty, storm shelter. I thought that was actually a yeah. pretty powerful scene where the girl is has sees her mother being killed through the grating by the yeah. dog. You know, there. Unfortunately, uh, we have some some fairly bad child acting from that little girl mm-hmm. who's just who mm-hmm. really. I mean, mm-hmm. she can't seem to emote very effectively. Mm-hmm. And then they have they added the uh, the, the rather unfortunate maudlin oversimplification of a way to uh, mm-hmm. get the get the child mm-hmm. to be sympathetic one way or the yeah. other which is the whole thing with the little forget me not flower mm-hmm. that she's carrying around mm-hmm. as uh, Dante tries to uh, try, tries to get her away from the uh, 
mm-hmm. for the dog, and then there uh, he's recaptured, and the and the girl is taken prisoner as well by the uh, the authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole sequence, um, the, the the stuff with the the kid after the mother's death mm-hmm. is uh, it, it felt like they maybe should have gone another direction with the story then and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gotten rid of the the child character in a different way, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, I didn't think that was quite that effective. I will say that I kind of liked, although I think the acting from the two people, the two um, truck, uh, driver, the truck drivers who, who are driving the truck, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're pretty pretty bad. But I do like the whole sequence where the Rottweiler attacks the uh, the prison the prison mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, van mm-hmm. that uh, they've thrown the girl and Dante into. That's an that's an interesting little scene. I did not think much of, but then he, but, but then he gets to the, uh, the kind of subpar or sub Blade Runner esque neon yeah. township yeah. where yeah. there's you know it's like prostitution, gambling, and mm. and whatever else. Um, which strangely enough, we then find out we're actually back to where the story started. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that that whole sequence really was kind of stupid and silly. Um, Dante stumbles across this one guy who takes him to see this one girl who he briefly hallucinates is Ula, um, but is actually this girl, this other girl that he had actually seen earlier. earlier. She dresses and she's obviously made to look like Marilyn Monroe. Right. She's, you know, dresses and has her hair done like Marilyn Monroe. And she right. pretty much is like obviously deeply, deeply into drugs and, and, and is already like been half driven, half crazy by this, <laughs> by uh, yeah. this world, by this life. So, and so, um, his uh, search for Ula continues. Now, one thing I, we, we've talked about this before um, at the, it's at this point in the, the kind of sub blade runner looking place mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. where he encounters uh, Nashi's character again. Mm-hmm. And the film kind of reach, kind of fi- finally reaches its climax. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the details of the climax in a second, but the film, the the clever thing the film does, the thing that I can appreciate is through the flash, the, through the repeated flashbacks throughout the movie, we are given more and more of the backstory, and we learn more of, of uh, let's just say Dante's rather pathetic reaction to the bad situation that he and Ula got into. Ula got into, mm-hmm. uh, and you begin to suspect a very interesting thing. You begin to suspect yeah. that Dante may have killed Ula, but has yeah. managed to block that knowledge from himself. Mm-hmm. And so he is trying to find someone. And what he's going to eventually find out is that he murdered her. Now the movie. Okay. Spoiler alert. Cause we're going to talk about sure, this yeah, fucking yeah. movie. We're going to yeah. talk about the whole ending and every right, little right, aspect right, of it. Right. So prepare yourself for that. If you don't want to hear us talking about the the whole end of this movie, I would skip the next 10 minutes, mm-hmm. okay? Because mm-hmm. we're going to discuss this for a little while. The clever thing the movie does is that the movie leads you down that path. And, you're like, and honestly, I was thinking, okay, well, that, yeah, that, that makes sense. I could see that. That would be a, that'd be a good uh, that would be a good way to bring this story to a head. I like that. But they kind of they kind of double pump, which is nice. They do a neat uh, little twist yeah. and just as soon as you're convinced that that is what has occurred, you real you get the in the flashback you find out that that is not what happened. Yes, Ula is dead, mm-hmm. but she was not killed by mm-hmm. Dante. Right, she was killed by yeah the Rottweiler and by oh, and, 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 and by extension and, 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 and by, and by Paul extension Nashi. by Nashi. Yeah. Right, exactly. because she claws his face. You see him, and, right. and, and Nashi has been following. Is like you see him occasionally through the film. He's he's piloting this helicopter that, or in this helicopter right. that's hunting for Dante. 
uh, and uh, he's like taking a personal interest in this sort of what he considers a game that he set up with 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 Dante to to basically continue to torment. Right. There's this guy. there's that there's that great there's that great bit of dialogue where Nashy Nashy's character says, "Oh, a game. Yeah, uh, I like games. Yeah, yeah. And that he is says, what, you infiltrate my world, I'll infiltrate yours.' Is what right. he says. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. If the movie had built itself around yeah. a series of mm. chases and mm. uh, uh, a kind of cat and mouse game, if the film had been a cat and mouse game between Nashi's evil character and this sad fuck Dante, mm. the movie would have been much more interesting to me. Mm. Uh, but that is not it. I don't know if it. I don't know if I'd say it would. It would have. I mean, I don't know if I'd say it'd make it more interesting for me. But I think that it might not have gotten itself into as much trouble as it as it does story agree, wise yeah. you know as that see because here's what i kept thinking as i'm as i'm sitting there going through the film a second time and going what is it that is missing from this movie and it suddenly clicked into my mind what this movie should have been the story that they should have tried to tell regardless mm-hmm. of what the novel may or may not have been right. is this should have been a variation on the most dangerous game that's yeah. what this should have been mm-hmm. this should have been a new thrill for the bad guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He gets the idea from mm-hmm. these two ri- slumming rich kids mm-hmm. playing this silly ass little game with their lo- with their own lives. Mm-hmm. To he we, we we would you could still keep the structure of Ula being killed and Dante thinking that he needs to find her again, mm-hmm. but instead. You punctuate the fact that the person there's there is a definite driving chase after him, and it mm-hmm. is Nashi playing this cigar chomping villain, having a good time, mm-hmm. playing a new game, something new to distract this guy. Yeah, but that's not what the film is. Right, right. No, I know it's it's yeah. You're right. And and one thing the film. Okay, here's here's a here's something. Did this ever occur to you? Because you're talking about the things that it seems like it's it's it's. Clever, the clever things that it does to play with your starting to wonder what's really happening here, starting to try to puzzle out what are we saying? You know, it does a lot of things with, um, there's a lot of times that Dante hallucinates and they yeah. do that as a yeah. way of also making you also wonder how much in his mind, how much we're seeing through his eyes is really there because there's certainly times when he hallucinates the dog where the dog's not there. He has this whole sequence where he goes to a, a cemetery and, and encounters the guy the boat that he captain, had escaped. Yeah. Oh yeah, the boat captain. Uh, who uh, um, and 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 who who tells him that you know? And this part, I don't I don't know if this is kind of something that I did. It was he says something to the effect that it was a, a year one night a year ago in October you lost that it's been a year since this happened with Ula Ula you know that it's been an yeah, entire, yeah. you know the whole night. But so he's been in prison essentially yeah. for a year. But did it? There actually was was a point. I wonder if you if this occurred to y'all. I started to wonder if the dog was even real. Is, at, oh, at there point, were, did that? that there were a that, number of points where I wondered. Yeah, if if I started, what here's what I started to think was happening. I agree with you. It makes you start to think that he, because you keep getting these flashbacks of him where you think he's beating the dog with a lead pipe. You know, he keeps right. flashing back on this, and as it goes on, you start to think like, I wonder if it's actually her. Because one thing it establishes is that he's very much upset that she went into the SUV with, uh, with and, did, and didn't seem more upset, upset. by the and, encounter. And no. he thinks he's hearing him. We don't know if it's again in his own mind, but we hear it through his ears that it sounds like she's really enjoying the sex with at least that's the way he interprets it you know so he obviously kind of turns his back on her because he's obviously jealous over this and said and so then you get these flashbacks of him like 
where he's remembering it is that he beat this dog at one point, and you think that maybe we're going to end up finding out that it was her that he beat, which I think would have been much more Agreed. interesting the way it was going. But so at this point, I start thinking that the dog is actually his guilt. He's been bet's pursuing him, and in all these areas where, and and also even the fact that it's this Terminator kind of dog because. I'm yeah. starting to think, like, is it really... I was thinking, like, was the dog, like, really just a dog at first and after he killed it, the way he's imagining it is that it's this relentless machine coming after him and that it wasn't really... It's not that they really had this technology to make a Terminator dog that it's... <laughs> cat speaking of Terminator cats... Uh, Terminator beasts. Yes, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, so so that maybe that, that, that this is also not even a technology. This is just, again, how his mind is seeing it, that this is actually what he's... And all these places along the line, because what happens, as we know in the movie, that basically the dog... Uh, relentlessly follows him and kills every pretty much everybody he encounters. You know, right, it follows right. in his tracks. And I thought we were going to get this. Is the first film I thought it was referencing kind of to me, or maybe think it was Angel Heart. I thought we were going to get the Angel Heart thing of everybody. You're everybody that's Everyone dying that's is not dying, really yeah. is not really dying by the way you think they're dying, and that we were going to find out that Dante has been killing these people, especially like the thing with the the girl looking up through the grating, seeing her mom. Right, looking down at her, I thought we were going to get a flashback and find out that it wasn't the Rottweiler that was doing it; that it was Dante. It was and all Dante. these things to me were building me up to something that was really interesting, you know, and where it was going, you know, with this film, you know, and these ideas that really kept me. I have to say, and it's one reason why I, I, I kind of get the impression that I enjoyed the film as a whole a little more than you did because you may have, yeah. And I have it has, believe me, definitely problems, you know. But I enjoyed it more because I found it so engrossing where it was going. With but it, that's you know, not, yeah, it, but that's it, not where it I went. know exactly because see, I think what it sets what up is not as interesting as what actually happens. Yeah, it's see, like, what I wish the film was, which mm. is the most dangerous game. Yeah, and with me, I thought Duel. Duel was what and I what, came up yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Was, it was making so, me think of. So yeah. you you come up with something. Yeah, and both of us came up with something that's much more interesting, just off the top of our yeah, heads. Sure, yeah. Than the film actually is. I even thought of a film that everybody's raving about right now. You know, that's kind of uh, you know getting a big reputation. Is it follows? You know, again, I yeah. was just thinking how interesting that we watch this right at a time when there's a movie at the theaters. That's again about this kind of idea of relentless pursuit of something you can't escape. That's maybe psychologically or maybe based on you know uh, well, it, almost it, like a, almost like a manifestation of something over what over of, of something you've what over something you've done you know well, plus not that this relates to it follows right, but sure. i do love the the idea of the uh, the the narrator the the uh, the narrator you can't trust the untrustworthy yeah, narrator yeah, yeah. Um, he also i'm sorry to interrupt again but he also kind of made me think of the guy the main character a little bit from wax and you know, as somebody who's obviously yeah, yeah dealing with something in his past or in his own mental instability that the more it goes on the more unraveled he becomes you know uh-huh. so anyway go back to what you said i was just well, saying that but but that's just it think about how we are both sitting here and yeah. what i wanted the film to be is one thing what you mm. thought the film was yeah. until yeah. it uh, until it yeah unravels and mm-hmm. lays its all well it puts all its cards on the table at the end of the film right and you realize oh well that's not nearly as interesting mm-hmm. as what i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and i'm assuming that that kind of disappointed you a little yeah it, i mean well it, it made me think that really the the prompt the the film yeah i mean it, it did it it's I, like i said i found the film just very engrossing along the way because i thought that you know but yeah, you're getting to the the story wise. That to me was the biggest weakness of the film is that is is just the that the ideas that it goes with that it could have been aren't really as interesting as what it ultimately ends up being. Yeah, and I think yeah. and I think there's some weird things that it doesn't quite. It sets up this guy who's who's this bounty hunter that has the dog, and then they there. kill him right at the beginning. Yeah, and and then we get this thing where like Nashi. Q 
keeps talking like it's his dog, and and I think like the the, the idea that because the, the Rottweiler once we think it's dead, and here's one of the most interesting ideas. Another in the film is when the Rottweiler after he thinks that he's killed the bounty hunter and the Rottweiler. It revives when this fog comes into that cave and comes right. out. Which remember we've heard about this fog of evil that the guy was talking about earlier, and so it's almost like this supernatural resurrection. Right. So I thought. So had, yeah. are we talking about a yeah. supernatural element that yeah. brought this cybernetic dog back to life, yeah. or are we talking about a cybernetic dog yeah. that is just still pursuing the same thing mm. that it was pursuing when it got its yeah. brains bashed in? Yeah. And the film can't seem to make up its I mind. I know exactly. See, these are my problems with that. That it, because the way it comes back, you get the feeling you almost feel is that he's. He seems like he's pursuing Dante, you think, because Dante has killed what you think is his master, the bounty hunter. Right. But then as it goes on, and then we begin to find out that, no, he belonged to Paul Nashie, who's co you know, he keeps referring to him. It's like one of the things he says he's been doing this to Dante is because he says, you hurt my dog, you know. And so it's somehow like it's building, it's trying to build these two connections, the dog between these two different characters. And I think it's, it it's kind of loses the yeah. thread there. The way that, you know, I think it'd be more powerful is just the idea that you, you killed my master and I'm... I'm after you, you know. It's like, uh, it's like the old, it's, it's like the old kung fu film thing. You'll kill my master. You'll disgrace, <laughs> disgrace my school. You disgrace you, my yeah. school. Yeah. I will not kill you. <laughs> my technique is better than yours. You know that kind of thing. So, <laughs> but back, anyway, go yeah. back to mountain. Yeah, uh, but no, that you're you're right. It's it's another. You're, we're digging into, and that's the sad thing yeah. about this movie is the yeah. more you dig into it, I become more disappointed with what it is isn't. Yeah, and also with what it is, mm-hmm. because. The movie is uh, attempting to set up multiple possible ways to read, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, it muddies the. It doesn't. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't set up multiple layers mm-hmm. of of interest that make that that make you intrigued. Mm-hmm. It just muddies the water on your attempting to understand the the mechanics of how mm-hmm. things are happening. Yeah, and sometimes we've said this about like various like films that we really love. You know, like especially when it comes to European cinema, things like you know some Italian horror films. Sometimes we yeah. can say this, but the thing is, is those films. Usually, the ones that we love still have, they'll have a certain tone through it all. That even if every you know T isn't crossed and every I dotted or whatever, you know, like not everything connects story wise, we forgive it because you know we feel like it still had a a tone, a mood it was setting that it was all still kind of seems to be on a line. And then, of course, the ones that we laugh at and love because they're just insane are the films that that are just across the board and all. The, and it seems to me like so. I think that. You know, people listening to this might think like, "Well, it sounds like you're criticizing this film for a lot of things you forgive in other films." But but the problem with this movie is that it doesn't reach either of those extremes. Yeah. It's not well crafted enough mm. and and clever enough mm. to allow us to forgive the things right. that we may exactly. or may not yeah. notice. Yeah. It, it, it's not well yeah, crafted. The good thing, yeah, the qualities that are there, the good stuff, are just not enough to outweigh. Right. But, yeah. And it's not bad enough to be laughable. It right. sadly ends up at that up. In that mm. unfortunate mid-range it's where just like it, it just could have been a little, could have been. If you've gone good, in either yeah. direction, mm. and, and what kills me is I, I thought seeing that it was adapted from a novel and was mm. adapted by the man who wrote the novel, I yeah. thought surely we're going to go in a in in the clever mm-hmm. direction. Yeah, and the movie makes attempts mm. to do that. Mm. There's the apparently symbolic scorpion that continues yeah, to pop right, up. I mean, it, right. it's even in the final the last thing shot of the see, movie, yeah, right. uh, on, you know, crawling across a couple of skeletons. Mm. Uh, but there are other things in the movie as well, which I can't 
figure out for the life of me. There's the recurring shot of Dante's bleeding hand, the yeah, dog every, bit. Which is another, every time the dog shows up, he notices He's right notices before. his hand bleeding. And which would suggest like a metaphysical, like that, once again, suggesting the dog's not really there, that there's some sort of super, you know, there, that's just some sort of metaphysical yeah, connection is, between them. What the fuck? I mean, is it some uh-huh. kind of, is it his dog alarm? Yeah, I mean, what yeah. what is this mm. thing with that? And, and it's, and it doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, at all. I mean, it, it, there's no, there are shots in the movie where he doesn't seem to have that wound and then he does. And then, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, at first I thought, okay, that's not a continuity thing. There's something, it's, this has got to be another one of those hallucinations, one of these things that mm-hmm. is that's primarily within his head. Yeah. But I have no proof of that because the movie is so scattershot and presents yeah. the information so haphazardly, I can't be positive. Yeah. So, the, I think they'd have done well to mm-hmm. leave the supernatural shit completely off the table. That whole mist that looks like it revives the dog yeah, is I was pointless. Say, yeah. I like the idea of the old man on the boat mm. talking about this kind of stuff because those are the kind of superstitions that people just speak about. Yeah, but then right. to see something like that kind manifest. Of, kind of, yeah. If you're not going to go to yeah. a further extreme with it, if you're just going to throw it out there, it's just like, yeah, like the whole hallucination thing he has in the cemetery, you know, is like that could have been interesting if it really played in more into his story, because you know, the whole yeah. thing, like where the, the guy, the ghost of his, of the guy asked him, remember he's asked him like, what are you running from? You know, well, we, you know, I mean, we don't really, that seems to have a more deeper meaning that doesn't really play out. Cause he's not really running from anything other than physically. He's running physically for, running, running from, from his a life, dog. You know, yeah. So. He's, he's running for him for his life. Yeah. And you could say he's running to try <sighs> to find his girlfriend, but yeah. Yeah. the, it's just, like I say, it's muddied. It's muddied and it's kind of irritating at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think uh, um, I think that the if they had just made it more, yeah, if they had made it more either, like you said, the idea of like uh, Paul Nashi being this all-powerful, you know, him basically just being this lone guy trying to escape from this game that, you know, this evil guy set up, or just the idea of it's just really literally a dog pursuing a man, you know, which is a terrifying, you know, thing. Yeah. I mean, to be pursued by an animal like that that's so relentless, you know, something more streamlined. If it had just kind of gone that direction, it probably would have ultimately paid off better. Because I think that technically it's, 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 I mean, I think that there's some, some, you know, the action sequences and the way it flows. I mean, I think the pacing of the film is very, is very good. I mean, I never thought there was never a point to me that I thought it became boring or became slow. I mean, I think it's actually pretty much, you know, keeps, keeps, you know, keeps a pretty relentless pace in there. And I think it puts the I character think, in some... I think, yeah, I, I agree. I, the only, mm-hmm. the only point at which I felt the length of the movie, honestly, mm-hmm. was once Nashi is dispatched. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, and I don't know why exactly, but it felt like, oh, okay, well, here's the end of the film. And I looked, and I noticed that the movie was an mm-hmm. hour and 20 minutes in, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I actually said out loud, Fuck! There's ten more minutes of this. Mm-hmm. So that was the moment where I was going, "Wait, just a freaking minute here." Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, let's. Well, I actually want to discuss yeah. the, the 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 death of Nash's character. <laughs> yes, the hell. So once again, spoilerific, yeah. folks. If you yeah. are interested in seeing yeah. this movie and want to see it without mm-hmm. full knowledge of the uh, the uh, the way in which Paul Nashy meets his demise yeah. in this yeah. particular movie. <laughs> I'd skip ahead about five minutes because I'm, I'm telling you that a couple yeah. of times this episode. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. folks. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but it's a bit much. Well, it, it does the classic, uh, oh, we're going to have the monster turn on his master kind of thing, which is like, didn't, I mean, you know, come on. First of it didn't, all. Didn't, it was unnecessary. It just didn't really, yeah. Let, let's, let's get out of the way. I like, uh, it's the second confrontation. Mm-hmm. It's in the same location. Mm-hmm. 
It screams we only had him for a couple of days. Yeah, sure. Bad move. Yeah. It was at this point that I was like, that I began to formulate my idea of, Mm. no, he should have been pursuing him throughout the whole film. Yeah. We should have had multiple times where he was like, sighting down a rifle Mm. scope at him. Mm Mm-hmm. And playfully taking a shot at him. Yeah. Or uh, coming upon him and like splashing water on him and having mm-hmm. one of his goons shoot at one of his shoot at one of his legs to get him to run again. Right. So anything, anything, yeah. anything yeah. to make it more sadistic, to make this man more villainous and to make this pursuit feel like it had a point. But I will say this, I did enjoy even through the the dubbing, I did enjoy the the line where uh, when Nash's character realizes that the reason that Dante has come back here is is because of his girlfriend, mm-hmm. he says she wasn't even a good fuck. <laughs> Which is just one yeah. of the the best cruel lines oh, just, yeah, I've ever like, heard. I just think it's great. Despicable, yeah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a great villainous mm-hmm. line. But his ultimate demise, once Dante... He's taking yeah. off in the helicopter and Dante jumps in the helicopter. And, yeah. and so does the dog. And you know the dog comes and jumps in the helicopter. The and dog <laughs> bites Nashy in the face. Yeah. And then the helicopter crashes. Yeah, yeah that was a little too convenient. It's too much. It's like, yeah, it's like we need some way to kill off the heavy now. And in some kind of fiery explosion. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Bay. You know, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I thought that was... I did think that was really weak and... One thing I thought about that, uh, just one more thing about that, maybe what they were trying to say with, with maybe the, what this is all about, because it does refer a couple of times to the fact that he tells Ula that he would die for her and even hallucinates right. at one point, remembers or imagines her saying that to him. And so maybe somehow the, the, uh, the, I think, and I don't think that totally works, but I mean, I, it might work in the sense that this is what is, he's, is, is, is pursuing him or this is what is weighing over him is this knowledge that, he had turned her back, his back on her, and then, you know, the heavy has, you know, Kofor has the dog kill her. But in a lot of ways, it's it's like so so that maybe the fact that he didn't risk his life for her at that point, but it's really not true. But it doesn't hold up because he does. I mean, he basically grabs a pipe and beats the dog to death. I mean, he does fight back, and you know, there's one of those things like, well, there's not really much you could do in this situation. There's a million guys with machine guns there and then there's a Rottweiler and there's not really much that he can be blamed for in that really there wasn't really much that his actions do to change what really happened in the sense that because, you know, Nashi has her killed because she scratches his face. I mean, there's not even this kind of sense of like, you know, what's he blaming himself for? What's he to be, is he really to be blamed for something? And he did actually do something. You know, he did actually at least, you know, basically, you know, Kill, or thought he had killed the dog, you know, he, he did do something proactive there. So, again, it, it's that's another way that maybe that's what they're trying to say, but I just don't think it really ties in. I don't think it has the punch at the end of the story to, like, you know, the, the, the dramatic payoff. Well, I, I agree. Think, you know, for that. See, here's the thing. the the Another way that I immediately th- started to think after the fact mm. that they could have punched this story up and made it more effective is... The reason he, we need to give him a reason for not being able to remember that Ula's dead. Mm-hmm. In other words, his mm-hmm. the engine driving him mm-hmm. is not just I'm being chased by this goddamn dog, mm-hmm. or in my better version, I'm being chased by this yeah. goddamn lunatic right, right. who's just playing a game with me to fuck with me. Right. Uh, but he also has repressed the fact that she's dead. Yeah. So he's not just being chased. He's running towards something. He's trying yeah. to get somewhere because he thinks if he can get there, he can find her 
and pull her out of whatever hellish situation she has ended up in. Right. So we we need that scene on the boat. We need it to be something that he's in the conversation between him and Ula, which is where we first meet them and where mm-hmm. we see the mm-hmm. the tenderness between the two characters. Him talking specifically about how doing this infiltration game was his idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to set up his guilt for later. Mm-hmm. That uh, she seems she still seems even on the boat maybe even seems a little resistant to the whole mm-hmm. the whole doing it, but that she's obviously going along with it because mm-hmm. she cares for him and oh why not it might be fun. Yeah. In other words, set up this whole thing as yeah. being something that he definitely pushed to do right. to give him much more of a sense of guilt mm. later on yeah. when he is responsible one way or another mm. if that setup he is one way or another responsible in his mind for yeah. her death yeah. he didn't kill her but i like the idea of being led down the path of us thinking that he might have mm-hmm. so keep you know keep that part of it but they needed we needed to have this feeling mm. of why this guy would be repressing this memory yeah not just that he loved her that yeah. that ham-handed uh, conversation in the cemetery with the ghostly yeah. boat captain where the, yeah. the captain goes, was it love? Yeah. It's like, really, yeah. we're going to bring fucking love yeah. up now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little it's late not... in the goddamn game, right? Yeah. So, And they've also, and we also at some point in the film establishes that it sounds like it was more like her idea, you know, for them to right. do that. Or at least that she was, they were equal conspirators. It sounded like she was basically, had this kind of buzz that got off on this kind of thing as much as him, you know? Right. And as you've already, as you were alluding to a few minutes ago, if it is guilt... Mm-hmm. that is causing him to repress the knowledge mm-hmm. that he should have about the fact that she's dead. Mm-hmm. The movie, as it is, only gives us, mm-hmm. sadly, mm-hmm. the idea that he reacted that poorly. That he's jealous. To the, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, just not, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it doesn't it's just, That's what I'm saying. What's he guilt of, uh, guilty of? You know, I mean, right. it's in the sense of like, you know, I mean, it's like, okay, so he was a little petty. I mean, it's like, I mean, my gosh, you know, they're like, been, you know, they're in a traumatic situation, you know, and it's... it's, it's and it's, you could even yeah. keep that reaction to... Her having sex with mm. this guy, yeah. you could keep that reaction, but it's not enough. It needs yeah. to have right. something right. bigger. It needs yeah. to have something that we can go, mm. "Wow, this whole fucking thing was his idea." See, yeah. See, one thing I thought it was going to do, one weird place I thought it was going to go, even when it, like when it became obvious that it was the dog attacking Ula, or if it wasn't him that killed Ula, I actually thought that maybe it was going to do something where he just kind of turned and watched the dog, like watched the dog do it, like like in other words, like you see a moment where he's. He could have done something. He could have done something, and he didn't. And uh-huh. we don't even get that, that would because be he immediately, yeah. when he turns out, he immediately goes to action and too late, you know. And I thought like that would have been more interesting than 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 what the way that it plays out. So. Well, something else uh, unrelated to to Ula that I thought the movie here's what I didn't think they were going to go for the ridiculous helicopter crash, fiery, bloody ending. Mm-hmm. I thought was going to happen, and I thought this was going to be neat because I kind of thought the movie was leading this way. Was he keeps seeing those flashbacks of him with that piece of rebar just yeah. wailing on something, right right, right? right. What I thought they were, what I thought might be the movie might be leading toward is that's how he eventually kills Nashi's character, and it's a mirror scene yeah. where that flashback he's having. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's an almost identical shot no. of him, but see, that's just me being no, no, that's just right. me there being was... cleverer than the story mm, is. Yeah, just kind of because like I picturing thought, again what how it, how you wish it, you know, oh, if it could have done if that, it could have done it, nice. it could have gone in that direction. It could yeah. have been the thing where there's this visceral thing where he's just, I mean, and and the movie even I, in my mind it would be like even at this at this point it would be obvious that. 
Nash is dead and he's just lost his mind and is just beating the dead mm. body, mm-hmm. beating the mm-hmm. dead body, beating, and it would be a mirror shot mm. of whatever that flashback turns out to be. Right. Yeah. But no, that's not yeah. what the movie did. So once again, I'm sitting there left disappointed by the fact mm. that oh, I'm this. Mm. I wish it had done that. I mm. wish it had done this. And um, it's that that's a shame. The there are some good things in the movie, but mm. it's not. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan mm. of the ham-handed mm. destiny bullshit mm. which is peppered throughout the movie. Mm. Um, and like I say the idea the, the, the scorpion thing which seems mm. to be tied to destiny. Mm. Um, it, it it's it's over obvious, it's silly, it mm. doesn't it doesn't at least for me doesn't do what they seem to have been trying to get it to do. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you What do you think? Oh, oh, overall, let, let's let's talk about let's talk about the yeah. film in broader broader strokes. What yeah. do you think of it as a whole? I mean, what what, what, what do you what do you think of it? Where what are you going to end up rating it? What do you think? Yeah. Of it? Um, well, I'll say this. And of course, we always try as much as possible to go into these films that we know virtually nothing about with an open mind. Um, it's hard to when you're dealing with the films Nashy did from the 2000 on, and, and you know, yeah. it's because you 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 kind of go. We've had some nice surprises. We've had some that were even worse than we thought they were going to be. I mean, it's kind of a real hit and miss, obviously, with the later yeah. part of his career. I had not heard really, I had not read a whole lot or heard a whole lot about the film, but but most of the feedback, I'd heard little rumblings that it was not, you know, that it wasn't all that good. So I was trying, again, you know, keep an open mind, but also I have to admit, still the expectations were, were pretty low going into it. Mine too. And uh, so on initial viewing, I again I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I, I I was pleasantly surprised by how engrossed I became in the story, um, what was going on. I, and um, second viewing through, of course, the first then of course to get to you know there's that feeling of disappointment that just like ah oh, this didn't you know hold together. Second viewing through, where I'm still trying to see if maybe there's more clues to what's really going on here that maybe things will tie in a little better. I found that I still enjoyed a lot of the individual sequences just as much. Uh, and I, I think it like things like where he's you know he takes a bath in the river and the dog suddenly has him there and drops his pistol into the water and he's suddenly taken off he's put in the worst possible position and I thought it was really they really put the actor through those paces I mean that scene where yeah, he's climbing he's, that he's, friggin', he's nude for a big chunk of the film and he's climbing that climbing those rocks totally naked and that's really you know him doing that and and that's like you know what worst possible position could a, a, a character be in than to have, you know, that and be pursued by a Rottweiler when you're stark naked. Yeah. I thought it did a good job of putting the character in, in, in some really vulnerable uh, situations like that. And so even the second time through, um, yeah, I'm noticing the weaknesses. I'm still enjoying individual sequences, still finding that the pacing is uh, is, is holding up, that, it, that it, it never loses, you know, never loses my interest, you know, which is a cardinal, the cardinal sin of the films, you know, of films, you know, is, is that at least they're not... You know, if they're boring, then that's really the worst part. And I never found it boring. You know, ultimately, I gave it about a six because I do feel like, again, even on the second view, I thought I enjoyed enough about the film uh, that, uh, you know, it wasn't a chore to get through either time, you know. And so, so like I said, I gave it a six because I thought it was slightly better than average just because of that, uh, better than being, where average would have been had it been the same story and then had, like, really dull stretches, which for me it did not. So between a five and a six, I was kind of varying there, but I gave it the six. Um, but you know, ultimately though, it it, it still it, it it really the big disappointment. I mean, it is definitely that the story just does not go. It doesn't do a lot of the the things. It does a great job of setting things up and making you wonder 
really keeping you interested in, you know, what is going on here and thinking that you think, you know, maybe you know where it's going and, and, and it just, the way it, choo- what it chooses, I don't find to be as interesting the way it, it chose to tie things up. And again, it'd be interesting to read it. Well, I would, I'm like you, I'd be definitely willing to read the novel if there was a yeah, translation because I would really like to see, you know, it could be a case where the novel is just a straightforward pursuit story and that the filmmakers yeah, but say, well, as a book, that before, but as a book that can work fine uh, sure yeah as, as no, a book you, you expect different things from a narrative on the yeah. page than you do yeah. on the screen and that's right. that's a that can be mm. like i say i suspect mm. that mm. the 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 flashback narrative structure of the film is mm. an invention mm. taken from in other words uh very much not of the novel something mm. where they take the story and they go well let's make it more cinematic by dividing yeah. these things up and dropping them yeah, oh, yeah. away right which is which is which is pretty cool. Now, um, I, I fall just the other other yeah. side of the line. I give mm-hmm. this a four out of yeah. ten. It's right. it's a little it's below average in my mm-hmm. opinion. And mm-hmm. um, I tr- I'm I'm not trying to grade the film on. Uh, I, I'm not trying to. I'm not going to try to grade the film on what I wish it was. Sure. Because yeah. that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because I wish it was the most dangerous game. But it sure. ain't. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, so I have to grade it on what it is. But unfortunately, what it is is still disappointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. The things I the the two things I like most about the film are that flashback structure. I like the mm-hmm. the, the structure they chose to tell the story. Yeah. Because it does actually give the story a, a kind of a push. Yeah. It gives it a bit of an engine. There's something mm-hmm. moving me through the story mm. keeping me interested because I'm beginning to think oh I may be out in front of this movie because I think I know he must have killed his girlfriend mm. and then the movie pulls a reversal and I like that mm. but uh, the other thing that I like is I like Nash's performance mm-hmm. he's nice he does exactly what he's supposed yeah. to be yeah. he's uh, very commanding very charismatic I mean he commands the screen when he's on it you know, because as, as a veteran actor should do you know, so. yeah yeah he is Wonderfully inti- intimidating. He's uh, he, he's got that. He's, he's in that business suit. Mm. Uh, he's got a very uh, oh God, a very uh, wonderful manner about him. It's that it's that upper crust man who <clears throat> knows that he can flirt with you and mm. take mm. your life within yeah. seconds of these two events. And and actually, it was that that caused because really, you know, we've not really been sure if we were ever going to do this film, and it was. Yeah. Me watching it and basically just saying, there's enough of... Because, again, the question would be, like, is Nashie going to be, like, is he going to have a cameo, basically a cameo that means yeah. nothing? But after watching it, I was, you know, as one that came to you and said, you know, watch this, I think it's worth doing as a Nashie episode. There's enough of him in the story, and he's important enough to the story that there's that this is worth doing an episode on, you know, for that. Yeah, so. yeah. and like I say, I'm not unhappy to have seen it, sure. but I just, yeah. I'm disappointed. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's only a four out of ten. It's, it's below average. Mm-hmm. It's not insultingly bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It's, uh, there are irritating things in it. There it's are not things that I don't Amazon, like. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not... Uh, <laughs> Crimson or, yeah. No, it's not so bad that I want to cry. That's, yeah. that's Werewolf in the Amazon. That's, yeah, that's right. so bad I want to weep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not that bad. It's just not very good, yeah. and it, and it's a shame. Mm. But um, it's mm. one of the last films I'd recommend anybody see mm-hmm. in Nashi's canon. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, once you've seen them all, and you're just really curious mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. him in the year 2004 yeah. playing <laughs> a, you know, playing yeah. a bit role as a villain right. in, the, in a oh, film. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, and I do agree with that. I mean, as far as like, yeah, I mean, it's you. It was not. It was not one that I would. I would. I was not be one that I would. One of the top ones, or even in the top half of Nashie's films, that I would, you know, that I would recommend. So, yeah, as far as people who are interested in his work. Okay. Okay. Well, cool. um, 
That's a, that's another uh, Nashy film mm-hmm. checked off the list. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's All not right. too many left, but we're still trying to dig them up, folks. And, uh, we're, <laughs> uh, we're we're still trying to find some of, some of these to. Oh, we'll uh, we'll definitely we've got a we've got a few uh, we've got a few interesting things up our mm-hmm. sleeve. We do, even though do. I I have gone on a search for one particular film, and yeah. there is yeah. no way to get it. Maybe we should oh. mention it just in case somebody knows yeah. something out there. In this, let, let me, I know, I know let, you, let me, you let me much, think about it. Maybe yeah. in the, maybe in the last chunk here, I'll I'll toss that out there. But man, I've I've, I've exhausted yeah. I've exhausted some of my. Uh, some of my uh, <clears throat> special antenna mm. button pushing, yeah, and I can't get it anywhere. Yeah. I can't. Anyway, we'll because we would that. have to have it subtitled as well. I mean, that's right, another key right. thing. It's not just a matter of finding the oh, film. It's not just but we've that. got to have it. Subtitled. It's not just that. I can't find it. Even period. even like yeah, I can't even find in its it even in its language. original language. Wow. wow. So that's. You, I think maybe you're right. Maybe we ought to toss. Yeah, because who knows? Maybe yeah. somebody's. Yeah. You know. Maybe one of the fine folks listening to this podcast right now mm. will have some kind of inside track on an English translation. <clears throat> Please, God. Mm. Because if you think I can't pronounce things, imagine me trying to listen to something and comprehend <laughs> it in a foreign language. I'd lose my mind. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick oh, break. Well, which oh, one what? is it? We didn't actually say which one was it we were trying to find. <laughs> was, oh, oh, no, no. We'll, we'll oh, talk oh, about you're that in the final Oh, we'll right, right. Okay, okay. It's, yes. a Kl- it's a Klamovsky film. It is a Klamovsky film. God, you think <laughs> even another reason why it should be out there somewhere. Oh, no, God, you think, for God's sake. Anyway, yes, uh, folks. We'll take, time. We'll, we'll take a quick break. Uh, check this out, and we will come back and dive into the mailbag. Nick Danger is brought to you today by Marini's Wholesome Moleskin Cookies. I've heard of them. Yes, the whole moleskin cookie in the oilskin bag. Each cookie is a whole mole. Won't melt in your hand or in your mouth. Not messy. That's Marini's Whole Moleskin Cookies. Eat them, wipe them off, eat them again. Mm. Your first bag will be your last. Marini's for a rainy day. I'm scared. Of what? Monster. The game's just beginning. I guess today just wasn't your lucky day. You want me? Come get me! Hi everyone, Dan here. It's good to be back on the Nashie Cast after some sick time, but I'm feeling better now and happy to be doing the segment again for my brothers Rod and Troy. 
You heard the audio from the trailer of Rottweiler, the film being covered this month. Nashi has just a bit part in it, being that he is the male villain. He seems to stick around in your mind for the rest of the film. And also throughout the whole film when you rewatch the thing. Uh, there's a lot of cameo parts that Nashi's done over the years. And some are better than others. This one does not disappoint. Um, as the film is pretty good and I like... Uh, the fact that you know he shines in his part as the evil force in the film. Uh, the biggest cameo he's ever done is in a film, hopefully, that we're going to be doing soon. It's called Mucha Sangre by the director uh, Pepe de la Heras. Um, I've had some conversation with the director. Um, for those of you that know me and are on my Facebook, um, I do every once in a while illustrations called the Paul Nashie South Park Playhouse, where I do scenes from Paul Nashie films in a South Park style. Um, I did a scene from this movie, and Pepe liked it so much he asked me if he could turn it into a poster. And of course, I said, yeah, that's not a problem, except you have to send me a picture with the poster. That way I have proof that you did it. <laughs> so uh, he, he, he didn't... Um, uh, disappoint. He was lived up to his word, and he had a big blow-up made of it to hang on his wall, and I think that's very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, only with the internet, folks. Only with the internet can this kind of a thing be done nowadays. Um, now, going on to my main uh, segment. Most of this segment is going to be de uh, devoted to uh, a man named Shane M. Dahlman. Now, Shane is known by most Nashi fans as someone who's on the scale of Merrick Lipinski. Um, he's done articles and things for, for magazines on Paul Nashi. And um, during the first couple of visits that Nashi did to various conventions here in the United States, um, Shane was with uh, Merrick at most of them. So he's been in this a while. He's definitely a fan from way back. And... Um, we, as Nashi fans, get to see Shane um, do a Nashi history uh, for everyone that has the Hanging Woman DVD that Troma had put out. He does a segment called Nashi 101. It's basically a brief history, but that's definitely Shane, and it's definitely his delivery. And um, he does uh, a great job, you know, giving us a Reader's Digest condensed version of uh, Nashi's history. Now... Shane is a horror host. His character's name is Remo D, who's kind of a beatnik, um, wears like a beret, um, black clothing, and also has a hook for a hand. Um, here is a snippet from his show. Uh, in this snippet, it's basically a public service announcement he did for some charity work uh, from his show, and his show is called uh, Remo D's Mayhem, of Mayhem Mansion. Oh, I'm sorry. Mansion of Mayhem. Remo D's Mansion of Mayhem is the correct title. So you can get it right. Um, I've had some uh, emails with Shane as well, and I'm going to get into those in a little bit here. But let's listen to this uh, clip of Shane doing his thing as Remo D. <laughs> Welcome to the castle. Yes, I said castle. This is indeed Remo D of the Manor of Mayhem, but today, 
I'm here to talk to you about the Castle of the Dead, the haunted house, and the family-friendly pumpkin patch attraction right next door. Brought to you by the Sun Street Center's recovery program, where every year we put on one heck of a scary haunted house, and as I said, a not-so-scary pumpkin patch so you can bring the whole family to benefit the Sun Street Centers as we work to provide alternatives and education for at-risk youth, at-risk of substance and alcohol abuse. This is how we do our part every year, and I'm very proud to say that this year I am actually part of the team that is making the castle happen. The castle itself is going to be happening this October, around Halloween, of course, don't you know? But it takes all year to put this together. So, if you're seeing me now, for the first time telling you about this, we would love to get you involved as a sponsor or a volunteer. We are casting our net wide. We are casting it hard. Everybody is welcome. We really need your help to make this happen. And by the way, if you're seeing this on a rerun, if you're seeing this after October, it doesn't matter because you know we're going to do it again next year and the year after that and so on. Ladies and gentlemen, it is never too early and never too late to be a part of the Castle of the Dead, or if you prefer, the family-friendly pumpkin patch. I'm going to be there. My friends are going to be there. I'm a part of this. We want you to be a part of this too. So you can write to me at remod66 at hotmail.com. You can visit sunstreetcenters.org or you can come to our Facebook page and that's facebook.com slash castle of the dead haunted house. One word. If you thought it was hard to isolate a manner of mayhem on Facebook, just wait till you try to isolate a castle. This is the real deal. This is what we're doing. We want you aboard. It's for a great cause, and you are going to have great fun. You've got my promise on that. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> As I said before, I've had some email conversations with Shane. This is basically um, him talking about growing up and uh, uh, how he became influenced by horror hosts. So I'm asking, so Shane, can you tell me why Rich Coe's as Svengooley was such an inspiration? Shane, he wasn't my very first horror host. That would be the original Svengooley, uh, Jerry G. Bishop as a fuzzy memory, and Bob Wilkins during vacations in San Francisco but I was already enacting horror host quote-unquote scenarios in my mind by the time I reached junior high. And Rich Coe's Svengooley came along to be the guy I could watch every week, actually doing the thing and thriving, winning local Emmy Awards and being downright entertaining week after week. Since I was the weird kid who shamelessly and blatantly loved all things horror, it was a great job to have that validation as well something I knew I could eventually do myself, even if it turned out it wasn't my full-time job. You can check out Shane Dahlman's Facebook page, as well as Remo D's Mansion of Mayhem, including some whole episodes, which I do recommend, uh, including all of the films. 
just do a search on YouTube on Remo D's Mansion of Mayhem. Shane wrote a great piece for the 2010 Nashi blogathon that he reprinted as an article um, for uh, Nashi's birthday on SpanishFear.com, which is Elena's website. It was called I Never Call Him Paul. And uh, you can read that over at Elena's Spanish Fear website. Just do a search on Shane, S-H-A-N-E. Here's a snippet from the article on Nashi's effect on the young Shane Dahlman. Quote, as a young Creature Feature fan in the early 70s, I was scarcely alone in staying up weekends to watch the various monster adventures of Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and of course, Lon Chaney Jr. Almost everyone at school watched the same movies as I did, these classics belonging to everyone, just as they should. But just a few years later, our UHF channels started supplying significantly stronger material, and not only during the late hours. A different breed of creature feature was being slowly insinuated itself into the mix. And it wasn't long before I found myself routinely confronted with movies that weren't talked about at school the next day, that seemed to belong only to those viewers who made it a point of seeking them out. And one face, one name, stood out amongst these latter-day arrivals, one man who made it clear that he wished to represent the classic monsters much as predecessors along the lines of Cheney himself had done. I passed on the opportunity to watch the man who would be king with my family in order to take in the bizarre concoction known, uh, however misleadingly, as the man who would be, I'm sorry, <clears throat> however misleadingly as Frankenstein's bloody terror. As it unspooled on a tiny, tiny black and white television in my room. And by the way, people, um, I still um, hold the view that um, if you have a chance and you have a copy of Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, watch it with no color as a black and white film because it really patterns itself to be a universal film. You know, especially since there's no violence and, and sex in the movie, it seems to fit, fit right in with those movies from the 30s and 40s. If you take Frankenstein's Bloody Terror and watch it black and white, you'll be amazed of how well it turns out as a regular universal film. But anyway, back to Shane's article. Little did I know how much werewolf Waldemar Daninsky would be come to mean to me, especially as his energetic antics in a wacky monster mesh known as Assignment Terror seemed to have little or nothing to do with the previous picture. My mother's um, admonition to avoid a nasty little item known as the mummy's revenge, of which she had inadvertently caught a slice of on her own, naturally caused me to seek it out and all the more eagerly. And cut for TV or not, Horror Rises from the Tomb was one she really would have kept me away from had she known, even I thought it went too far at the time. These movies ranged from the sublime to the ridiculous. Even then, I realized that the fury of the wolfman made almost no sense at all. But I never doubted the sincerity of the dedication of the man who brought them to life, Paul Nashie. So there you go, guys. Um, Nashie's influence on yet another horror host and another fan of his. Um, I'll leave you with the opening theme to Remo D's Mansion of Mayhem and uh, end this with 
the same words that Shane Dolman used at the end of his Nashi 101. Viva Paul Nashi. Welcome to a commercial for Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. I'm Brad. And on the podcast that is known as Hello, This is the Doom Show, we talk about Jalla movies, slasher movies, horror movies. We're going to interview Cary Grant live in the studio. We're going to interview Lucio Fulci in the studio, folks. We're going to put Cary Grant in the studio with Lucio Fulci. It's the interview you never thought would happen. I'm going to wear my Vincent Price slacks. I'm going to wear my Citizen Kane wristwatch and monocle. And now Brad is going to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in Portuguese. Brad, go. I don't have Portuguese. Go! Go! Stop hitting me! You're a natural actor. Yeah. Uh, You can listen to us at hellodoomedshow.podomatic.com or you can find the archive at doomedmoviethon.com. folks um well uh, i want to go ahead before i forget and bring up the movie the the nashi film that we would love to do for the show but i can't find a freaking copy of it no matter where i look mm-hmm. the name of the film is sequestro from 1976 now uh it's directed by leon klamowski all hail klamowski yeah yeah and uh nashi apparently wrote the screenplay and plays a small role mm-hmm. um now um uh, Tony Isbert is in it. 
uh, a few other actors that we've seen in a couple of uh, different uh, Nashi films. Now, here's what I can find out about it from the IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nashi plays a member of a kidnapping gang in a story inspired by the famous Patricia Hearst case. Mm-hmm. The, frightened, the frightened and psychologically traumatized, traumatized kidnapped woman, played by Maria Jose Cant- uh, Cantudo, succumbs to the Stockholm Syndrome in which the victimized becomes sympathetic to the victimizer. The Nashi character, more humane than the other members of his gang, becomes the recipient of her affections. And it's even described here as one of the rarest of Nashi films. Yeah, now, yeah. I can't turn yeah, up anything a bootleg wow. of this bitch anywhere. Wow. So, wow. Uh, folks, mm. if anybody out there knows of a subtitled version of Sequestro... Anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. please, please, please let us know. Yes, nashicast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, would love to be able to see this film, would love to be able to understand it, which is gonna require yeah. subtitles. subtitles. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, if you uh, if you know where we can secure Sequestro, mm-hmm. let it me let me know. I've been waiting to do that. Secure yeah, sequestro. it's secure. Oh, no, I like where you went there. Yeah, that was, like, that was well, basically, because if we only find an upside, unsubtitled version, we're going to have to fly Elena here to the states and have her <laughs> sit and watch it with us and translate <laughs> it as we watch it, which would be fun. We would have a good that time. Would be with fun. That. that would be expensive. That'd that be would the be the most yeah. expensive <laughs> Nashi cast ever. <laughs> okay, okay. So right. uh, let's dive into the mailbag. Who we got mail from? This, this is time. first from Al. Now Al wrote us before. He's um, our listener who's living in. Italy, but used to live right here, like right up in Murfreesboro. Oh, Murfreesboro. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and he had uh, he'd been picking up some Nashi DVDs. and He's really into Euro horror, and so uh, we happened to to mention that uh, on our last show or last time we read one of his letters. So he wrote again with some more information. He says, "Howdy, Rod and Troy." And uh, just remember, we keep saying howdy, and we thought he was just making fun of us for being from you know. But he's he actually <laughs> comes by he, he actually comes by his howdy naturally because he yes, used to he live did. here. So he says, just a note to answer some of the questions you had regarding my last letter. Firstly, what the hell am I doing in Italy? Italy. In short, I was born here and I always wanted to return. My father, who's from Kentucky, was in the military when he was stationed over here and met my mother, who's Italian. I grew up mostly in the States except for the period from 82 to 85 when we returned to Italy. I moved over here with my wife and son almost five years ago. I currently teach English to Italians locally and stained glass to Americans at the Arts and Crafts Center on the Air Force Base nearby says, about the DVDs that I bought, unfortunately they are not English friendly and in fact don't have any subtitles at all. I do speak Italian, so there's no problem for me there. I don't speak Spanish, though, but it's close enough that an Italian speaker can usually get the gist of what's being said. I like to compare it to an American listening to a drunk Australian. He <laughs> said, the accent's not the same, some of the terms are different, and not too many words end with an S. <laughs> so, he says, regarding the fact that we all lived in Murfreesboro, and yes, even attended Empty SU. Now, that's good. I'd never heard that before. I'd never heard Empty SU called Empty SU, but I like that. I like that. <laughs> he says, we attended at the same time and somehow never met. I think there are definitely many times our paths almost crossed. You mentioned Jack, and I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, Jack was a dear friend of both Rod and I. We've mentioned him many times on the yeah. show here, and he's well, one of the co-founders of the Secret Commonwealth, my band with me. Uh, passed to who died, Jack passed away in 2004. He says, you mentioned Jack and knew it, and I knew it, know exactly who you're talking about. I never really got to know him well, but I used to chat with him from time to time when I would go to East Main Market to buy gallons jugs, gallon jugs worth of Gerst from the tap. Yeah, yeah, East Main Market, famous for being East able Main to, Market. you could literally get uh, gallon, gallon milk jugs filled with the beer there. 
He says, unfortunately, we never chatted about our taste in movies. Troy, I did know a red-haired girl named Danielle in the mid-90s who sang with the Secret Commonwealth, and I know I caught at least a couple of your shows at the borough. Yeah, in fact, uh, Danielle was in Secret Commonwealth with me for several years, and we actually dated during some of that time, too. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, he says, so we were at least in the same bar. Yeah, he mentions the famous, the famous borough, borough bar and grill. He says, so we were at least in the same bar at the same time on a few occasions. Rod, you mentioned doing college radio. Before WMTS, which was MTSU's uh, radio station, uh, he says, before WMTS got its radio license, we had WNAR, which stood for We Need a Radio. <laughs> I remember says, that. You remember that? He says, yeah. at that broadcast, only as the audio for Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro's Bulletin Board channel. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, on, on, on the local cable television station. He says, I did a world music show on Sunday nights for two semesters and maybe had a grand total of two listeners if you count my girlfriend and roommate. <laughs> <laughs> He says, anyway, whenever I come back over the pond to visit Tennessee again, we'll have to hang out and toss back a few. Yes, we will. Oh, That's awesome. Definitely. That is very cool. Very cool. Uh, and I should clarify that I uh, did do college radio, uh, but not at uh, uh, not at uh, MTSU. I went mm. to college at uh, Tennessee Tech University out in Cookville, Tennessee. And so I spent uh, many an hour attempting to ride herd on uh, DJs uh. at uh, <laughs> WTTU, uh. Uh, 88.5 WTTU. Uh. Uh, God, it all comes back to me. <laughs> uh, for, for a couple of years there, I was, uh, I was uh, one of the, uh, the people who uh, was paid a stipend to uh, not only go to class, but to attempt to uh, run a radio station. Mm. And I was a DJ for a good long while before that. And... Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun during during those years. A lot of free concerts too. That's one of the great things about one of the great things about uh, working in college radio is at least you, you know you get all the free concerts you can eat. So, nothing wrong with that. Saw a lot of, that's how I saw the replacements. Saw them for nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. Dinosaur Junior. Yeah, and, yeah cool. a lot of a lot of really cool shows that way. Sweet, yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Next email. Uh, this one's entitled uh, "Vampires Night Orgy." What could that ever refer to? Yeah. Yes, I know. This is from Mark. He says, Hello, gents. Glad to hear you discuss Vampire's Night Orgy and also to hear you give props to Leon Klamowski, a director who is rarely praised, even by Nashi, despite the fact that most of his films are at least enjoyable and some of them are downright wonderful. Mm -hmm. Regarding the location of the town used for exteriors in this film, Troy was pretty close when he said it looks similar to the one used in Return of the Evil Dead. That would be the the second blind dead. Yeah. I'm fairly sure it's actually the same village used in Night of the Seagulls, a town by the name of Talamanca del Jarama. If you put the name into Google, there are even some modern-day pictures of the bridge that was used in the opening scene of Night of the Seagulls. Hmm. Now, Night of the Seagulls is the fourth blind film. I've always been fascinated by this town. It amazes me that such a basic and desolate place would exist in late 20th century Europe. I wonder if it was still inhabited by then. I couldn't find any recent pictures, so I'm guessing the village itself doesn't exist anymore. I remember reading somewhere that because of its location, the town doesn't receive any direct sunlight. That's awesome. Something mentioned near the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, Which makes it a perfect place to make a vampire film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, I very much enjoyed Rod's free-range children rant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I had another little rant there in the Vampire's Night Orgy episode. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Uh, he says he enjoyed it, but I really can't understand why some parents believe that their children are in more danger today than when our generation were kids. Surely the fact that children are made more aware of the dangers means that they are safer than their 1970s counterparts. I won't pretend that I don't sometimes get a little anxious if my kids come home late, but I know I'd be doing them even more harm than good by keeping them all inside all, mm-hmm. keeping them inside yeah. all day. 
Plus, it gives me some well-deserved peace and quiet, goddammit. <laughs> uh, I added the yeah, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he didn't type that out. <laughs> Not sure if you're aware, but there's a newish UK company called 88 Films that has started to release some excellent Blu-rays. Their earlier output consisted mainly of trauma and full moon films, not really my cup of chai, but there are some new and forthcoming releases that are certainly of interest, including Late Night Trains, Bloodstained Shadow, Anthropophagus, SS Experiment Camp, Fulci's Zombie 3, Zombie Holocaust, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, and Burial Ground, and that's just their Italian collection. Although the quality of their discs is occasionally left wanting, much like Arrow's earlier output, they are certainly a label to watch. Hmm. I have heard a little bit hmm, about really? 88 Films. Hmm. But the thing is, they haven't put out anything over there yet that uh, hasn't already, even just that list, um, mm-hmm. that hasn't already been put out over here mm-hmm. in a version that I still already own. Mm-hmm. So uh, the uh, I, I, I'm kind of excited anytime there's a new company yeah. coming up that's, that's yeah, uh, diving into with, right. uh, Euro, Euro horror or, or uh, exploitation mm-hmm. cinema of any type. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm always happy. I, I remember when I, I, I would get really sad when I would see the output from like Blue Underground or Anchor Bay kind of take a nosedive or, or stagnate. But man, the companies just keep popping yeah, up. I yeah, mean, they you do. know, Vin- yeah. Vinegar Syndrome is doing yeah. amazing stuff. Severin's Ke- done some good stuff. Severin, uh, uh, Kino Lorber, for God's yeah, sake, yeah. putting out Sometimes Twilight films. Time puts out good stuff. You exactly. Know. I mean, it, if you're a, a fan of uh, weird cult cinema from Europe or I- I- really mm-hmm. anywhere in the world, there's, there almost always seems to be someone trying to uh, put that product out there and make us happy. So I, I, mm-hmm. I lament the passing of, of different companies, yeah. but uh, come it, on, it Arrow, come be, on, Yeah, exactly. Films. It does seem to be other ones picking up their slack, and somebody yeah. out there needs to uh, get to acquire those Nashy licenses and put out some, put out some Nashy Blu-rays. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to go off on another fucking rant, <laughs> but how in the name of fuck yeah. Yeah. are we sitting here yeah. in 2015... Yeah. And he's okay. He's talking about a British company here putting out all those films I just named off. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about all the films that Arrow is now putting out of here in yeah. the states and yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Where the hell are the damn Nashies? We're gonna. Uh, where get, are those they're, films? They're gonna have they're gonna have all three hundred Franco films are gonna be released before we before get, we before get, get another Nashie. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to lose heart, get angry, and yes. become pissed off. I know. I know. And that is not how you want me, people. That's right. That's right. That is not how I should Not like him when he's angry. (laughs) I turn kind of grayish (laughs) green, and people realize I need to be shocked back to life. Uh, Oh, back to to Mark. He says, speaking of Blu-rays, there is some good news regarding the German Nashi discs discussed in your previous podcast. Whilst Horror Rises from the Tomb isn't English friendly, Werewolf Shadow and Frankenstein's Bloody Terror both have English subs. He says, don't quote me on this, but I think Frankenstein's Bloody Terror might have an English language soundtrack option as, as well. Mm, mm. And the picture quality on all three is supposedly excellent. Pity they're also damned expensive. Yeah, I, that's going to keep me away from it probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, they're a little pricey there. He says, anyway, apologies for the lateness of this email. I've been on a holiday in Italy this month. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm glad I hadn't read this beforehand or I would have thrown this out. Uh, he says, I, I've should have gone and had now. a drink with Al there. <laughs> yeah, really. He says, uh, it was in Italy this month where I was lucky enough to visit Dario Argento's Profundo Rosso store. There's an Argento museum under the shop with original props from his films, which was wow. amazing. Now I'm even more jealous. 
And I missed meeting Luigi Cozy by one hour. Uh. <laughs> ah, well, maybe next time. All the best, Mark. P.S. Stop teasing us with talk of a pieces podcast and just do it. There's a Blu-ray coming out soon. What more of an excuse do you people need? Well, as well, we've already as told, told you, you, yes, yes, we will be doing you pieces. Talk him for off the, we're talking him off the ledge here and all because right, right. we're going to be doing pieces here. We'll so, be doing yeah. pieces. Uh, that episode will be out before mm-hmm. Halloween, so everybody mm-hmm. calm down. Mm-hmm. Calm mm-hmm. down. So, mm-hmm. Pieces yeah. is coming. Yeah, make love on your waterbed and 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 well, listen to and watch listen to our <laughs> piece <laughs> reference to one of the most amazing lines in that film there. Oh, bad job, Sui. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. I so, have so I have so oh, much oh. to talk about with pieces. Oh, it's just gonna God, be amazing. That podcast it's, may mm. be three fucking hours long <laughs> with no freaking email to even to even talk yeah, about. I it is gonna you. be awesome. All right. So yes. So this is from John here. He says. Hi guys, just finished listening to episode 52 and thought I'd drop you a line to spare you another mailbag light into the show. I'm really enjoying these latter episodes as you're delving into nasty films I know little about and the tangential rants are an added bonus. <laughs> then he's yeah. just, he, just, he just loved tonight's episode. Then. Well, yes, you're going to love it. He says, I wondered if you planned on covering Shadows of Blood. From what I've seen, it looks awful. But I'm a sucker for piss poor shot on video debacles. Yes, I mean you, Boarding House. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've still never seen Boarding House. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I have either. Um, now, Shadows of Blood, does that ring a bell? Yeah, that's uh, early that 90s, one? I believe. Uh, hold on. But not a Nashi film, though, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, Shadows of Blood is, uh, well, I don't I don't hear a lot of good things about it. It's 1980. It was made in 1980, 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stars in it. It's, uh, it's a Dutch shot on video movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Made by a guy named Sidney Ling. Uh, Sydney Ling. Um, he, uh, the Sidney Ling person directed and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Apparently he even did the music. Uh, it's only about an hour and ten minutes long, so at least it would yeah. be... If, yeah. if it was painful, at least it would be, you know... <laughs> yeah. A short, a short, sharp pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we, we've heard about it. It is something that's on the list of mm. possibilities. Yeah. Um, we're down to the point where I'm actually attempting to avoid certain films because I've just heard they're bad, and this is one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we may end up doing it. I know I can lay hands on it, but it's... Uh, I'd really much rather see Sequestro. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, eventually we're going to get down to some of these things, these scraps, as we call them, of these last things here. It's, it's you know, I don't know. You, you folks may really have to push us into some of these. If you really yeah. clamor for yeah. it and say, like, Please talk about this film, then maybe we'll, you know, some of these. But there's some of these where we're just like, yeah, it might be. I don't know. I don't know. It just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Shadows of Blood. Don't uh, haven't seen it. Kind of uh, fear it. How's that? <laughs> okay. So um, anyway, he goes on to say, along with the love of Nashi, I'm also a huge fan of Jean Roland. Wondered what both your thoughts were on his work. Oh, uh, well, I, I think we may have talked about Jean Roland before. Mm-hmm. Um, French filmmaker Jean Roland is actually uh, I. He is very much an acquired taste. Not very much. Maybe um, even more so than Franco, honestly, I think. And maybe, just, maybe. Just because his films, whereas Franco's films, even one, even if you think it's like just god-awful, it may have enough just craziness going on to keep you interested or keep you... But with Roland, you're also not only dealing with, you know, maybe such stories as incomprehensible as Franco's, but also usually a lot slower pacing, much more yeah. dreamlike pacing. And it kind of depends on, like you said, how much you acquire a taste for that sort of thing. Uh, yes, the... A lot of people like to. A lot of people have drawn comparisons between Franco mm-hmm. and Jean Roland. On the whole, I mean, there are a lot fewer Jean Roland films. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's a lot easier to take in Roland's work, even the stuff that he kind of just did, like part he, he did right. part of the film yeah, yeah. to kind of you know mm-hmm. make some money to get it made or to get it finished or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like uh, both Franco and Roland had a hand in the uh, astonishingly bad you know Zombie Lake, which is one <laughs> of the greatest bad movies of all time. <laughs> and uh, Roland shot insert footage to turn uh, Franco's Virgin Among the Living Dead into a zombie film. Mm-hmm. Um, which is best to be avoided. That that version of it is just awful. Just watch the Franco version. Uh, the thing is, I really like a lot of uh, Jean Roland films. As a matter of fact, too. of his movies that are the movies he signed his name to, the ones that are mm-hmm. definitely Jean Roland films, uh, I haven't seen one yet that I didn't come away admiring in yeah. one way or another. Yeah, I consider myself a fan too. I mean, I I, I do. I I uh, I, I love uh, you know Grapes of Death. Yes, I, I love uh, Iron Liv- Rose. I think is is fantastic. Living Dead Girl. Living Dead Girl. Um, um, yeah. Jeez, uh, uh, man. The uh, fascination. Requiem, Requ- fascination is amazing. Yeah. Requiem for a Vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm a big fan. Uh, he's like I say, you've got to go into these mm-hmm. movies knowing that there's usually a dreamlike pace. Yeah. Uh, dream logic mm-hmm, exactly. usually rules the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like if Fellini did a horror film. It's kind of like what we're in a horror way, movies. In a way, yeah, yeah. Here, that's you know? that's not a bad way of putting it. Um, there's a temptation to eventually cover some genre land. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, it wouldn't fit the Nashi cast at all right. because mm-hmm. they're definitely not of Sp- Spanish in origin or mm-hmm. in temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, these are very different types of movies. Uh, they do for 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 a. For a long time, I always thought of fr- French film as uh, uh, historical period pieces starring Gerard Depardieu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's not necessarily all of French cinema. And right. Jean Roland's, uh, you know, nude vampire f- mm-hmm. is something that will definitely turn your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's much like Franco. He managed to take exploitative elements mm-hmm. and pepper them throughout a story that may or may not hang together from your point of view, but is still interesting and intriguing enough. Mm. I mean, what other movie Mm. are you going to see? Bank robbers that turn out to be gorgeous young women Uh. who are in clown outfits, (laughs) who end up being seduced and turned into vampires. I mean, this is, I'm, Mm. I'm lightly, I'm lightly presenting the plot of one of his films. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating. I really enjoy his work. He gave us uh, one not of the every, most, Not everyone yeah. will. Yeah, he gave one of the most iconic images, I think, in any film is, of course, Bridget LaHaye and the uh, Black Shroud carrying the scythe across the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the moors. There, whatever. It's just yeah. incredible. Oh, my God. There, what, yeah. a, what, a, what a terrifying thing. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Bridget LaHaye is, that's the first, first place, the, in Roland's films, is the mm-hmm. first place I ever encountered Bridget LaHaye. Here, yeah. And uh, I'm, I absolutely am stunned by that beautiful woman. Yeah. And of course, since then have sought out, I've sought out other of her movies. Mm. Uh, let's just say the pornographic <laughs> the, uh, ones. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, you can see Bridget LaHaye and all of your in ways sex movies. To, yeah. So. Uh, yes, pretty much. Yes. Well, the reason I started laughing a minute ago, because uh, his final sentence of this is, uh, and if you're struggling for a beyond Nashi, I suggest zombie Lake. <laughs> <laughs> 
He says, oh, I, just gave the game away there. He says, I? he says, I know it's not as magnificent. Yeah, but it probably just makes our listeners even more want to hear us do it because <laughs> yeah, they probably. like to see us suffer. They, like apparently, to hear us suffer. they apparently do like to listen to us babble about bad films. He yeah. says, he says, I know it's not as magnificent as Contamination, but come on, Antonio Mayans, Howard Vernon, Euroscene. Yeah, well, you can, you a, can throw names a, out there. but It's a, it's a Euroscene production. Yeah, it is. And it's it is magnificently awful, and it has a lot of absolutely stunningly gorgeous nude women, it especially does. in the yeah. first ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. But uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I've watched it a couple of times, and uh, I, I find it. I, find I enjoy it, it but it's, it's so bad. It is, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> Can you believe that Zombie Lake is on a fucking Blu-ray? I know. Well, There's a high-definition version of of Zombie well, Lake. Hey, listen. As far as I'm concerned, the 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 new. I mean, the fact that Manos: The Hands of Fate is about to come out on a Blu-ray. <laughs> I know. That's just and and listen. I know there are people out there sometimes who there there are people who are detractors of mystery science theater you know who don't get into the whole mystery science theater thing and the way that you know and that's fine you know that's, if that's, fine. that's your, if it's, your opinion if it's not your cup of I, I love the stuff if it's not but one thing you got to get you you got to admit is that the people who made manos owe this yeah. blu-ray to mystery science theater because you know yes. so i guarantee you those no one people would know the film exists. whatever else you want to say about it, if you don't like the mystery science theater ways i can pretty much tell you right now that that uh the people who anyone who was involved with that film would have had beyond their wildest dreams would have never thought that no. they was about to get a Blu-ray release with tons of extras and they owe that all to Mystery Science Theater so <laughs> yes they do well there I was always kind of frustrated by it. there's this there was um, the there's that list of the uh, like bottom 100 or bottom 250 rated films on IMDb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you go and look at that list it's heavily influenced that list is yeah. the makeup of that list is heavily made up of Films that people know only because Mystery Science Theater did them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that always just always pointed out to me that you people aren't really you're not really film fans because you're yeah, not digging yeah, into yeah right exactly yeah where's Zombie Lake on this yeah, goddamn list yeah, where's Oasis yeah, of the Zombies yeah, sure. where's you know where where are films that we I can point <laughs> and go no 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 yeah you may think Plan mm-hmm. Nine from Outer Space is a bad film but no. You are you are incorrect. Yeah, there's, it is inept. Yeah, but it ain't zombie lake bad. No, it isn't. It is not. <laughs> so, eh. well, I, one more word on deep Blu-rays here, and thanks everybody for the letters again. Yeah, yeah, please, thank, we love thank this you stuff. Everyone. Keep writing us. Yeah, that's uh, to Gmail uh, nashycast at gmail dot com, or, or send it to our Facebook page. Yeah, um, you can send written letter. You can write your letters, or you can send us record your thoughts onto an MP3 and send them to us, and we'll play them that way. Certainly, always glad. Yeah. Always glad to take. Uh, uh, Feedback in any way you wish yeah. to send it. But one last thing I want to just say here is, is uh, um, everybody's probably aware, and we probably mentioned it on the show, but you know, uh, or somebody's mentioned it in a letter. But Full Moon is is you can get these through Full Moon anyway. Is there's basically been a series of of Franco just DVD, not Blu-ray releases, but they're basically doing one per month that you can get through the Full Moon, you know, Charles Band's Full Moon website. Uh, they started with Jack the Ripper, you know, the one with Klaus Kinski. Uh, oh, followed okay. it with Barbed Wire Dolls. Uh, they've got some other releases, like I said, they're releasing at the f- one at the first of each month, I think. So I've got the first two, which is the Jack the Ripper and Barbed Wire Dolls. I've not watched okay. Barbed Wire Dolls. I've watched Jack the Ripper. Again, these are just DVD releases, not Blu-ray, but my God, it looks incredible. Now, it I'm was- assuming that these are going to be the same discs that were put out in Europe about 10 or 12 years ago. You may be right. I they know. were all produced by the same fellow Ernest Oh, yes, Dietrich. right, right. Dietrich. Yes, it's, it's his film. Yes, because yeah. there's interviews with him on the disc yeah. there. And, and uh, um Boy, uh, the I, bu- base- I bought some of those discs yeah. when they were put out uh, mm-hmm. about ten or twelve years ago. I picked up Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. and darn, I think one other. Um, 
uh, for, uh, I think the the Portuguese nun one. Oh yeah, right, right. Forbidden something. Of, I can't remember the full title. But yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I just I have to give a, a resounding uh, recommendation for the Jack the Ripper disc because I again, keep for, I keep forgetting Full Moon's doing that. Oh, yeah, so. my God, like I said, it looks it looks incredible. I don't honestly know if a Blu-ray could improve upon it, to be honest with you, as far as how good it looks. So, uh, so I, like I said, I haven't watched Barbed Wire Dolls yet, but just based on this first release, I, I really would probably going to get all of these. So, uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there. I recommend people check these out. So Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, one little bit of housekeeping that I forgot to mention up top. Remember, folks, because we I do not wish to spend more money on uh, providing this podcast to people, uh, I am going to start dropping the first few podcasts that we did, the first few episodes of the NashiCast are going to drop out of the iTunes feed. Uh, when I drop them out of the feed, I... I Several thousand people have downloaded those episodes. Mm-hmm. So I understand people are always discovering the podcast. It's not that you will not be able to get those episodes. I'm going to mm-hmm. take the first two off yeah. here. And then here, uh, by the time you hear this episode, I will have taken episodes one and two uh, off uh, out of the iTunes feed. You will still be able to get them by just going to uh, the Bloody Pit and downloading them directly from Dropbox. I'll mm-hmm. provide a Dropbox mm-hmm. link and you can just pull it down from there. Um, the, uh, the the reason for this is I, I we don't want to spend even more money right. hosting the show. Right. So uh, remember, if you'd like to make sure that we don't have to drop more episodes off of the feed, you can always <laughs> donate cash to us. We take it in any form you would like. So uh, with that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, thank you very much, everyone, for the feedback. Yes. Uh, like I say, write, uh, record, however you'd like to uh, talk to us. We'd be glad to uh, respond. Wrap your message around a rock, throw it through our windows. Uh, I'm going to say, don't. please don't do that. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, once again, thank you, everyone. And uh, I guess uh, we will talk to you again next month. Remember, next month uh, we'll be jumping over and doing a Bloody Pit episode, a controversial controversial kaiju Kaiju. Uh, we're going to be talking about Godzilla Final Wars, and then we'll be back here in October for Beyond Nashi, where we finally cover yes. pieces. Wow. <laughs> I, I just have to say, I, I'm, I'm half, maybe, half maybe, apprehensive. Maybe, half, yes, yeah, yes a, maybe after that we cover slugs. No, slugs would we be just, awesome. We just, we just start yeah. <laughs> doing that director's films, and we just do the shit out of them. Yeah. Just, I would <laughs> say anything that guy put his hand to. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still... I still would love to get, convince people to sit down and watch Edge of the Axe, which is, I think... Oh, right. I've heard you mention that before. It's a, it's yeah. a great little movie. But uh, cool. thank, you, thank you once again, folks. And uh, this, is, uh, this is where we sign off. Thank yeah. you very much. My name is Rod Barnett. My name is Troy Gwynn. We will see you again next time. Mm-hmm.